It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. Well, the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I don't know that But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, like he know that wrestling bro. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land and welcome episode 256 of the straight shooters which can be found wherever podcasts are available my name is vaughn johnson and i'm joined as always by my main man pots and pants nick Pacona, philly voice and philly influencer and yes we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight we got yet another deep dive no more wcw though not this week another october event around this time too 24 years ago back in october 1996 we're going to do a deep dive on wwf in your house buried alive you excited for this nick Uh, oh dude i'm beyond excited it's like one of the events that i never saw back in 96 like i didn't watch this live so it's always tape this i didn't tape it didn't see it live i just i'm i was so excited when it was uploaded to the network because it was really the first time i got to watch the pay-per-view to begin with and i think i watched the match before it might have been on like a vhs or at some point but just the event you know it's less than two hours is like perfect Perfect. i must have been grounded or something (laughs) like i (laughs) i must like there were a lot of a lot of time a lot of pay-per-views that uh, and I get to, maybe not a lot, maybe a handful, but I, I definitely remember uh, a reasoning for me not watching them. And it was what did you do? It, <laughs> I was probably disrespectful just mm. a little bit. So yeah, that was uh, <laughs> they. My parents knew how to punish me. They're like, no pay per view for you, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'll never forgive you for this. <laughs> there was actually one time in like '98 where the the Rock and uh, Triple H in like a ladder match or uh, I quit match or something. It was like maybe it was right after Survivor Series or Rock Bottom, and I was grounded because I like flipped out that Monday, and uh, I didn't get to watch it. <laughs> my parents wouldn't even let me tape it. And I was like, no, oh, no, yeah, you can't tape it. That's not a punishment. You can watch it <laughs> after the fact. Oh, you can take you and your teenage oh, angst and get the hell out of here and watch something else. Absolute worst time of my childhood. didn't get to watch rock bottom oh my god it's a damn shame uh but yeah let's i guess we could go right into the weekly check-in with my with my guy my main man pots and pans nick how you doing this week my good brother listen i am all in with the championship series and baseball al and nl and uh you know this is my time of year like i love this time of year to begin with 
Uh, not only is it my birthday, you know, you got Halloween coming up and everything wrestling related growing up always felt like, I don't know, it just felt special in October. Then you had baseball, playoffs, and championship series, and with hockey starting and basketball starting. But, you know, not I know this time. not this year, but uh, it's still kind of kind of cool seeing, you know, baseball. And tonight's game, though, however, as we're taping this, it's 15 to 1 Dodgers over the Braves. But ridiculous, but I cannot. Uh, you know, wait to for the World Series. Really, like to to me, uh, I, I'm just I'm having as much fun as I did. You know, even last year, or any year with fans in attendance, because uh, <laughs> the Phillies are never in it. So I'm it's like I'm never there. But watching it on TV, always cool. There are fans. I thought Chris was saw well, fans yeah, at one of those they're, games. They're, they're fans, but not like you know normal. Right. And speaking like, of fans, one, I think the it's the, the American League, right? They're, they have yeah. the fans because they're, they're in Texas. Yeah, I think I believe uh, right. Both, both the National League has it too. There, I see some people out there. So, oh, never uh, mind then. Yeah, they're in. They're both. Yeah, they're in two Like the American League, I believe is out. Uh, I think they're in the Rangers' new ballpark. The Rangers, and that's where the World Series is going to be. The Dodgers oh. and the Braves are in another stadium, neutral. Yeah, site, I think they're in so. San Diego. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think so, uh, you might be right. You would think I would know that, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's, you know, and speaking of fans being back, the link is reopening uh, this weekend for the Eagles game. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think they said it's capacity 7,500 fans. Or not even fans. I think that's everybody. Yeah, like people (laughs) people in general. (laughs) So that includes me. Uh, I'll be one of those 7,500 in the stadium. That's including, like I said, everybody. That's players, coaches, referees, stadium workers, and fans. Do you so, think you can find your way near the field and trip Lamar Jackson somehow? I got nothing to do with that, man. I'm not. I'm not pulling <laughs> any shenanigans to get me fired. But we need, probably, uh, well, even if I tried, I probably would fail. Lamar Jackson is a very talented player. He'd just he just leap over me and make me look stupid. Then I get fired. <laughs> You become a meme, right? A meme on Twitter. Fail at cheating and then get fired. Like that's that's a way to go out. Oh, that's the worst. That is <laughs> that's the, the worst. way to go out, boy. With failure. <laughs> um. So yeah, next week, just before we dive into buried alive, uh, just a reminder, uh, we're gonna do not a deep dive. We're gonna deep deep dive of sorts, but it's gonna be a like we said last week. Determining the best Hell in a Cell match of all time. So we're going to have a guest or two on the show to help us decide this. We're going to do this bracket style. Okay. I created a bracket. I got 16 of the best Hell in a Cell matches that's ever taken place. And we're going to decide a winner. Uh, Of course, Hell in a Cell is next weekend, next Sunday, the 25th, I believe. Um, Not this coming Sunday. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to go right into Hell in a Cell, the pay-per-view which I don't even know what matches are happening on that pay-per-view. I think we're going to have Roman versus Jey Uso, right? And then yeah. or is it Jimmy th- Uso? There's three Hell in a Cell matches. God, talk about overkill. I don't overkill. think that's necessary. So, wait, wait. We got Orton and Drew McIntyre in the Hell in a Cell, too? Yeah. That's and not necessary. W- w- what's crazy is, like, I can see that. Like, they're the way that feud has played out, okay, like, I could buy it. The Roman and Jay is kind of weird, but at least that storyline is, like, serious, serious. Like... I get that, but it like still, even though I 
get it. I mean, it's kind of built better than past Hell in a Cell matches, you know, recent years. It's still three matches. That's I mean, ridiculous. this has happened before. This is not yeah, new, yeah, unfortunately. And, and we're so. always going to, like, just be confused about it, but that's what WWE does, and yep. we shouldn't be confused, but it's still just crazy. Well, we're going to determine the very best, though, Hell in a Cell match next week. Bracket style, so tune in for that. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's already happened. And I, I doubt any. I doubt any at this point, twenty twenty WWE, and and in the future, anyone can really top a lot of them that have already happened. So, I'm looking forward no. to it. No, not at all. So, uh, and would do, do we have something the week after? Is that something we're gonna do the week after? Halloween or? Havoc, yeah. Another Halloween hat. Oh yeah, NXT. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) WCW again? Oh no, no. Of course, the live commentary for Halloween Havoc, NXT Halloween Havoc, happening October twenty eighth. We're gonna do that as well. So that should be a lot of fun uh, when we get that popping. So, but for now, for tonight, let's dive into in your house eleven, buried alive. Shall we? Let's. I am pumped. Uh, I can tell. I can tell. Well, let's start here. Like I said, around this time, 1996, we're talking October 20th. As we record this, it is October 14th. So about a week from today, 24 years ago, we had Buried Alive in your house 11, like I said, emanate from the Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, once known as the home of the Indiana Pacers. Reggie Miller and the boys used to be going ham. In Market Square Arena, uh, they almost won the NBA Finals. Not in Market Square Arena. I think they had moved out by the time they got to the NBA Finals and lost to the Lakers. But they got close a couple times when they went against the Bulls and Jordan at Market Square Arena. So that's a that's a if you're a basketball fan, that's a dope building from back in the '90s at least. Um, but one thing I want to talk about before we kind of dove into this specific show is a year that I think doesn't get talked about a lot as far as WWE. And that's 1996. I think people talk about 1997 a lot, and of course 98 and beyond. 95 too, right? But I think 96 a lot of times in wrestling they talk about WCW for obvious reasons. It's 95 for terrible reasons, but I think 96 is WCW's year because that's when the NWO started and that's when they kind of started their scent. But WWE in 96 kind of gets overlooked, in my opinion. But I thought that 96 was obviously the beginning of the turning point. Like, it, start, it started to turn or right the ship, so to speak, from the aftermath of 95. <laughs> but I thought that, I think in hindsight, 96 was a decent year for WWF from a standpoint that, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels were the top guys, mostly Shawn Michaels in 96. Bret Hart started in the beginning and at the end, missed most of the year. But then you saw the, the rise of Steve Austin, at least the beginning stages of that Steve Austin, the Stone Cold character, I should say. Um, there's some decent wrestling. You had Undertaker and Mankind doing things. Sid was over. Vader was there, even though that didn't really work out the way it should have. But I was just curious as to what's your thoughts and what do you remember remember about 1996 WWF? Yeah, I was still, even though... Uh you know, I was very surprised when Razor and Diesel, you know, went over to hmm. WCW and I started. You sure that they were right there on the show? I saw them. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the backstage segment, right? Uh, they were. Yeah, I saw them right there. So Jim, Jim Ross, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash went to WCW. Yeah. But there you go. Razor Ramon and Diesel, they were still in WWF. So, yeah, when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, there you go, uh, showed up on Nitro, <laughs> I 
was like interested. I, you know, still didn't have the internet, so I was like, wow, I was like WWF invading. But then I didn't see anything on WWF programming, so I was still, you know, I, w- I was ten years old. I was like, okay, like I understood wrestling by that point. So I was like, okay, they're not showing up on WWF TV. So I think they're clearly with WCW, and they're this is all like an angle, but it. Obviously, I didn't say angle because I didn't know what the hell they were back then. But <laughs> I was like, "Wow, they're coming as like they probably work at WCW, but they're they represent the WWF." So the funniest thing to me was, uh, you know, I've said it before on this podcast. Eric Bischoff has mentioned in the past that the whole premise of Hall and Nash coming back to WCW was that they were former stars and uh, they were former wrestlers in WCW. They went to the WWF to be it became stars and then they came back to run roughshod on the people that I guess did them wrong in WCW. But that was never like to me, like even looking back at these shows that did not hit like whatever he thought that was supposed to be. And maybe he's just saying it now because he can't, maybe he can't legally say, yeah, we were, uh, you know, pitching these two ex WWF guys, uh, but they were still with WWF coming in and running roughshod on WCW. That's why they had to mention at the Great American Bash that year. Do you guys work for the WWF? And they said no. But, um, you know, clearly that was the intention. So I was still, like, pro-WWF at this time. Shawn Michaels' rise, I was behind him all the way. Like, even in 95 when he came back after Sid beat him up. So I was a big Shawn Michaels fan. I wasn't a fan of Bret Hart because he talked, you know, all this crap on Shawn Michaels. So uh, big Shawn Michaels fan. I didn't know what to think about his feud with Davy Boy Smith, uh, with Vader. That was kind of a weird thing at SummerSlam, and but you know, mind games in Philly. I didn't go there, but I watched it on you know pay per view, and um, like I was just into it. Like I was invested. Uh, I was very upset when he lost at Survivor Series to Sid. I was like, that makes no sense. That's stupid. Um, and he didn't even wrestle here on the Barry Live pay per view, but he was you know on camera. Uh, so I was like a big Shawn Michaels fan. My sister was a big Shawn Michaels fan. Uh, Undertaker Mankind was like the coolest feud looking back. Like, I was actually like scared. I was like, oh my God, Mankind's going to be the one to like take down the Undertaker. Like, but, it, you know, I didn't see this pay per view live and it like it tore me up at the time. And it's like, this is one of my favorite feuds of the year. Like, even without the NWO, like, this was my. This was my feud. And when Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker at SummerSlam, I was, like, heartbroken. You know, like, I was legitimately <laughs> invested in the WWF in 1996. Uh, very interested in what they they did, like, the smoking guns turning heel and the being with Sonny was interesting to me. Um, everything seemed to be, like, changing. as It was, like, as I was growing up, WWF was growing up almost. And like you said, Stone Cold Steve Austin became popular. Uh, or became like a huge character and I was like wow like he's really mean you know <laughs> like what is this what life is like like are adults really like this like yeah so yeah exactly so um I was very into it I was enjoying it um I was very you know upset at the pay-per-views that I missed but then you know Austin and Pillman that gun angle I was just like oh my god like this stuff is like real now like wrestling is real <laughs> it's not like when I grew up and Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior like it's not like that anymore so yeah I was you know this time in 96 96 overall definitely January felt a lot different than October did 
but uh, you know, I was still firmly like WWF all the way. I didn't really watch WCW even with the NWO surge, but uh, yeah, that's kind of how I was. Yeah, I wasn't even watching wrestling at this point, so I can't tell you what it was like for me back in 96. I was probably watching a lot of... I know I was watching a lot of football at this point, but looking back and watching stuff from 1996, it was like WWF was trying... You could tell they were trying to change their tone, but there was still some of that hokey, cartoony type stuff from 95, 94, 95 in that time period in the product, but it was slowly being phased out. Like, And if, if... Mark Merrill had come along in like 93, 94, 95. He would have been way more over than what he was by 96. Like mm. it was the tide was turning where a person like Mark Merrill wasn't the top guy anymore. It was Stone Cold or Shawn Michaels or Sid, who we'll talk about later on, was wildly over on this night and at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could tell that there was something changing in wwf it was a slow change though that's the thing yeah very and that's why they fell behind uh wcw as much as they did um because they were turning it up and wwf was very slow to make that like i said that change to more of a uh, realistic adult oriented product uh but you can see like i said bits and pieces of it here and there um in this show and throughout 96 it just again took a while for it to really get turned all the way up to 11 as spinal tap would say um but yeah it, 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 like i said it's an interesting year i think that doesn't really get talked about a lot i think there's some you know if you really dig into it there might be some interesting tidbits and things and some stories to come out of 96 in particular um you had Shawn michaels at the pretty much the peak of his powers as far as being a top i mean he was still a top guy in 97 through 98 but 96 was his time at the top of the mountain especially as a baby face and he was running around, you know, not being the best person in the world. You know, Triple H is in the doghouse after the curtain call. Uh, like I said, Stone Cold went king of the ring. He's doing his thing. Bret Hart goes away for a while. He comes back. And you got stuff. I'm sure there's something going on with Sid. Then you got the Vader stuff because that didn't work out the way it should have. I mean, it was just so much actually going on in 96. Yeah. Um, on top of the fact, oh, wait, by the way, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash left. Just you know, boom, they're gone. So, uh, yeah, that was a that was a pivotal year for WWF and WCW, obviously. So, uh, just figure we touch on that before we kind of get into the show to kind of set some get some context to what we're going into here at Buried Alive. Uh, first off, right off top, though, that WWE intro <laughs> with the for fifty years, yeah. the greatest, you know, that, that whatever they said, I can't remember no, what they said exactly. Okay, I wrote it down. Okay. A revolutionary force in sports entertainment. There you go. Love it. I'm not sure if they were really the revolutionary force at 96. <laughs> well, they said um, for over 50 years, so maybe they that, were like, you know, by 95. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they, they were still counting. They're still counting stuff that happened in the 80s, you know. But um, I always thought it was interesting with it, that they changed the colors of that little intro yeah. over time. Like it was red and yep. it became blue. Just a little. Yeah, and they had like the uh, block type thing, which is just gray, and yeah, yeah. This one was interesting with the red and black clouds of lightning and thunder. It's like whoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's almost like scary, ominous. Yeah. yeah. Gotta look Weird. out the window and be like, "Is it a storm? Like, what the hell's going on?" 
Or turn on the lights on in your house. By the way, I was a weather freak at this time of my life. I would watch the Weather Channel a lot. And I would, like, stare outside when there were black clouds. I was, like, afraid of tornadoes and whatnot. So, yeah, definitely a weather freak. Watching the Weather Channel as a 10-year-old kid. There you go. Nick Pacone. (laughs) Weather Channel and wrestling. (laughs) Yeah, because I wasn't – and baseball. That was the only sport I watched. Mm. So – Yep. Speaking of baseball, wasn't the All-Star game in Philly in 96? It was. It was. That's Veterans funny. Stadium, yep. And, and it'll the, be back in 2026? 2026, yep. And there was one All-Star that year from the Phillies. And his Ooh. name was Ricky Batalico. He was the closer. Oh. And for those, I was going to uh, say Rico, Rico oh. Bronia, but I don't know if he's even uh, on the team at that point. <laughs> he might. Yeah, I don't even remember the years. They all run together. but Right. I just remember him awesome. from the 90s and the early 2000s when the Phillies were not a great team at that point. Right, yeah. And yeah. This, like Mike Lieberthal was the, like, the, the, <laughs> the, guy, the guy at that point. He was. He was the my man. guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was I, everybody's I guy. And I was the I was the catcher, you know, in little league. So I'd be like Lieberthal, I'm gonna pattern my game after him, you know. <laughs> Not a bad person to pattern after. He was in the he was in the bigs. He was nothing right. wrong with that. He was I. Right. He was a good player. He was a decent player. Um, I was watching the intro, and it's really about obviously the the main event. The show is called Buried Alive, so of course. The intro is going to be all about this Bear the Live match between Mankind and The Undertaker. And it got me to thinking. And it, I, I, I kind of asked myself a question. And I'm going to pose it to you. Is Mankind The Undertaker's best rival? Because uh, we got to think. We got to run down kind of the list of rivals here. Mankind is on there. Kane. Yeah. Maybe Shawn Michaels. I, I, I would throw Shawn Michaels on there. Yeah, I mean, for me... I mean, I don't know who else really is in that stratosphere towards rivals for The Undertaker. I mean, I know some people might throw Triple H in there, but I don't think him and Triple H had as much, you know, great matches, obviously, as right. him and Shawn Michaels did. Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, Brock, yeah. maybe? I Brock? mean, that, you're listening to the ones that I thought, like, right off the top of my head. Uh, okay. But for me, like, Mankind and Kane, I guess you can just go either or because even though Kane you know I I just watched the 2010 Hell in a Cell match by the way between them because I don't think I had ever watched that match before and you know it was 2010 I I was kind of like I wasn't I didn't go on a full sabbatical but I was in and out of wrestling that year you know like when the Nexus became popular that's when I kind of like got back in but then by October when they had you know Hell in a Cell I was kind of like wishy washy, I guess is the best way to to describe it. Um, so their later matches aren't that good, but man, I don't like Mankind attacking the Undertaker in '96. The day after WrestleMania was pretty good, but Kane debuting at the first Hell in a Cell and yeah. setting that tone, you know, for that feud uh, through the years. Really, I mean, they were feuding and then they were together. Um, they were even a tag team, you know, when Undertaker was the American Badass. They were like the Brothers of Destruction, and you know they they were off and on, you know, like feuding and tag. And I think, you know, at least the story kind of was like, okay, like brothers don't always get along. So at this point, like they're feuding, but you know they came back together. It's, I don't know. I, in my opinion, I think I like the Undertaker and Kane feud uh, or rivalry a little bit more mm. than the Undertaker of Mankind. 
that's a fair assessment. I think they had higher profile matches, so to speak. I mean, I don't know if it, they, they had a WrestleMania match. Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, I should say, Undertaker did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like six months at least built up. So that was that first encounter was huge. Yeah. And then they had the Infernal match and stuff like that. Yeah. And then they had the WrestleMania 20 match, which really wasn't good, the match itself, but the no. buildup was big because the, right. the, the, the dead man, Undertaker, came back. So that was that was a big deal. I think the Undertaker, Mankind stuff, though, uh, for Undertaker was... Definitely for him, his best rival to to date in '96. When yeah. you think about, he didn't have a bunch of great feuds up until that point. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was like uh, nothing made sense because you know he he would always beat you know the, like he went through the corporation a year prior, like from '96 or I mean '95. Like it was like a different member of the corporation. Like right, it was every month, big or something. King Kong Bundy, Kama yeah. Mustafa, Giant Gonzalez. Yeah. Uh, Jake the Snake, Jimmy Snooker. Uh, I, I mean, who did Yokozuna was there for a little bit? I was driving for a little bit. Ninety four, um, but yeah, I think ninety six. Mankind was definitely his best rival to date, and they had some memorable matches. I mean, I think they had more good matches than him and Kane did. I would agree with that. Even though, like again, now we can't like this is how we can't leave out Shawn Michaels because I think him and Shawn Michaels had. The Hell in a Cell match is probably a, a five-star classic. Yeah. And then the match at WrestleMania 25 is my yeah. favorite WrestleMania match of all time. So they had two of the my favorite matches of all time. Right. But just for the depth of matches, uh, the Boiler Room Brawl, the Buried Alive, and the Hell in a Cell 98. I mean, the Hell in a Cell 98 is probably still the most memorable match of the last 25 years. I mean, how many, how many other matches get replayed as much as that match? Yeah, and you think of it, it didn't and, and the have sound the, bites and all that. Yeah, it didn't have the build, you know, the way no, these 96 matches thrown together. Did. Exactly. Thrown together, and, and, they, and then Undertaker threw Mankind off the cell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and, and I felt like, even, and I think Mick Foley said this before, like, they didn't really have anything. Like you said, it was thrown together, so what can, what can they do? to really leave a mark with this particular match and uh, <laughs> you know he just okay throw me off the cell you know then like you said it's played over and over and over again i use the jim ross call on that all the time for just like sports clips because everyone loves right. like jr commentary and you know it makes me laugh you know so uh, you know that's the call that's the call i use and that's the call that everyone uses um I, it's crazy i think it's an interesting discussion though of like Undertaker's it best is. rivals. It is. Maybe we can do um, a deep dive on them. Maybe. Yeah, we can go like one by one, really dig, dig deep into them, analyze them, what yeah. made them good, what where did they fall apart. But I think Mankind is definitely in the top two or three of definitely. Undertaker's best rivalries. Um, but when we, now that we get into the show, and I don't know if you remember this at all, but I really don't because <laughs> I don't know why there was this thing going on with Jim Ross, maybe because he, he had the whole Diesel and Razor Ramon thing going on. But yeah. throughout the first like half hour of the show, Jim Ross <laughs> could not get catch a break when it came to his audio. And of course, this is storyline. This is not real. But he's... It sounded like he was shooting the way he was upset about it. He did a good job of acting, I would assume. But he, mm. he just couldn't get a word in. It's cutting out. And he's claiming conspiracies and McMahon is doing this and that and whatever. It was kind of weird, and <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know how you felt about it, but for me, it was kind of weird. 
I never liked seeing like commentators act like that. Uh, you know, 10 years old, I'm like, you know, this is weird. And obviously I didn't know real fake, like I had an idea, but, um, the only proof I had was, you know, older people telling me wrestling's fake. It's like, Oh, well, thanks. Like I don't <laughs> care. But, um, seeing Jim Ross act like this, I was just kind of like confused. It, it was like every week I have to, you know, I think it all started with like a promo after, like when he brought back Razor, um, he didn't really act like a heel up until that promo. Um, you know, at Mind Games, they showed you know Razor Ramon and Diesel backstage beating up Savio Vega or whatever, and the cameraman was so far away, ran up to them, couldn't get in the locker room, and they went away. So Jim Ross was like sitting there, like I told you so. But to me, he didn't really come across as a heel until the next night when he actually introduced Razor Ramon because he had a, a promo you know, talking crap on McMahon uh, before that. So they just kind of went with this for a few months, uh, you know, maybe in this Survivor Series, but by early 97, like, that was done. Like, you know, we didn't see this Jim Ross. So I don't know what but they, the But they game. brought it back again in, what, 98? <laughs> when he was like, I want my oh. job back because he had the Bell's palsy. <laughs> yeah. And he wanted his job back, and he brought back Dr. Destiny Williams, yeah, yeah. and he brought it. I remember vividly remember him having his own announce table set up yeah, in front did. of the Michael Cole one, which was so weird. He's a heel at that point. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? Like, what is going on here? And, and I don't know if maybe he was like, what? Because he comes across as the type of person, like, he's loyal to Vince McMahon because he allowed him to have a good living. And that's kind of like JR's go-to whenever he talks about you know, Vince McMahon, he just talks about loyalty. He was loyal to Vince because he felt like Vince was loyal to him through the years, even though he fired him a couple times. But he still gave him the opportunity to make a good living. You know, he, he's – and I think that's kind of where he's at right now when he talks about it. But back then, you're, like, you're seeing this play out on TV. I mean, maybe he was just happy he was on TV. I don't know. Like, this is just a weird thing to give Jim Ross time after time. To, like, he did it, like, at least – Maybe another time after this, I don't really remember, uh, you know, throughout the aughts, but uh, this was definitely a weird thing for Jay because I was like, I like JR. Even right. Who before did, I got online, like before I got online and everyone, like, you know, showing Jim Ross love, like, I was sitting at home just listening to him. I was like, I like this guy. But he was doing this stuff on Livewire. He wasn't just doing it on, like, the Raw and pay-per-views he was doing it on live wire maybe that's why i love why live maybe that's why i love live wire so much there you go you got it out <laughs> uh jr is a bit of a horn dog today but uh yeah. yeah but hey look man he's a lonely guy i guess he you know <laughs> brother got needs uh <laughs> I guess, but and um, he he did tragically lose his wife, and I think people yes. just kind of gloss over Don't, that, and that's got to be a yep. big deal. Yeah, that that's definitely something that's you can that's obviously affecting him still to this day. I think, like you said, people kind of just gloss over that, but I think that it doesn't necessarily mean he can just do whatever he wants to do. Right, right. But you know that 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 still has an effect on people. And yeah, it may, it may offer an excuse, but it you know. Nobody likes excuses, but at least it's something that you're like, well, would it be different if, you know, he yeah. wasn't, if, if he didn't go through that? I, w I would imagine his wife wouldn't want him being a horn right. dog on <laughs> right. social media. Right. Uh, but um, 
Back to In Your House, Buried Alive, though. I mentioned here that the stage, as simplistic as it was, was kind of dope. The little graveyard gate, cemetery gate. I thought that was kind of cool. Look, uh, I wrote word for word, simple and cool. <laughs> the answer's mm-hmm. way with the gate. Just it, it, it was literally the theme of the show, and that's all they needed. They didn't, like, it would have been cool with, you know, more things, but that gate was kind of like the the thing that, could have held everything together if they made it bigger. And that's really the only thing they had. And I noticed it, you know, when Triple H made his entrance, you know, it was the first time I really noticed it. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. It, it made me think about, and this is this is a, a totally departure, total departure from what we're talking about. It made me think about when I worked for the Arena Football League or the Philadelphia Soul in particular in 2012, right? And we were a great team and we went to the Arena Bowl. And the Arena Bowl that year, the neutral site in 2012, it was in New Orleans. And the, there was a team in New Orleans they called the New Orleans Voodoo. And part of their whole thing was that they had, like, the skulls. It was actually dope, like, kind of aesthetic they had. And they had, like, when they, they called the arena, they nicknamed it the graveyard. And when their team would make their entrance, they had, like, the cemetery gate type of thing. And it was actually kind of dope for the voodoo, right? But when it's the Arena Bowl <laughs> and it's a 25th championship game in Arena Football League history, uh, you know, I guess they left it up to the voodoo to kind of like produce the game, I guess, <laughs> and like put on the show. And the voodoo is like, you know what? Throw them cemetery gates out there for the soul and the rattlers <laughs> in the Arena Bowl. <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> this don't fit at all. Like, why did y'all do this? <laughs> so little memory that there for me in my uh, arena football days um we lost that game by the way it was heartbreaking uh, um uh. <laughs> it was sad <laughs> <laughs> um but moving on to our first match of the night here at buried alive uh a couple years later this is a main event on any pay-per-view <laughs> right and but here in 1996 it is a match that has steve austin stone cold steve austin going against an injury replacement in Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He wasn't even on the original card. <laughs> Savio Vega was supposed to go against Steve Austin because they had a long-running feud in 96. But he gets injured, and out of the doghouse it comes Triple H. As I mentioned earlier, uh, he was the only person who was going to get punished out of that curtain call because Nash and Hall, uh, they left the WCW, and Shawn Michaels was the champion. So, Triple H, <laughs> you're in the doghouse, fam. So, uh, he wasn't even on this show. And here he comes out uh, to go against Steve Austin in a heel versus heel match, which was odd. Yeah. But you go by the crowd reaction, this wasn't a heel versus heel match. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Austin was getting cheered. And I wrote down, who didn't see Steve Austin coming on as a babyface? Like, how could they not see this happening? When he cut that promo before this match, I'm like, that is a guy yeah. that everybody's going to love. <laughs> like... And I know Steve Austin didn't necessarily want to be a babyface. He fought off the idea. And I'm pretty sure that the WWF, you know, Vince and whoever was making those decisions didn't necessarily think that, you know, he was going to be a babyface right away, obviously, maybe years down the line. But you watch this promo and you hear this crowd. It's like, he's a babyface right now. (laughs) Like, yeah, he's going to go against Bret Hart and all that. But people like Steve Austin today. (laughs) Yeah. And. I was kind of surprised by that. I was not one of those. Uh, even back in 96, uh, I did not really like Stone Cold Steve Austin until 
WrestleMania 13, you know, when they did the double turn. Uh, that's kind of when, and, and I think it was honestly Jim Ross on commentary talking about how Austin never gave up. Uh, he doesn't want any help, like putting over the fact that, you know, he's tough and he doesn't want anyone, like that type of thing people love. So that's kind of where I started liking him. So even, what was this, six months before that, uh, even though the crowd was cheering him and it was pretty audible even on Raw and and these pay-per-views, I was not I was not a fan of his. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, you weren't supposed to be, so, but... but th- <laughs> like look. that promo you talked about, like that was just so good because he didn't miss a beat. Right. He was so good. And it's not like they were in like New York or Philly or Chicago where right, right. they might cheer some heels. They were in Indianapolis. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so they, if they were going to boo him, they, were, they would boo him, but they didn't. Yeah. So they were, they were, they were with him. Forgot to mention that on this, you mentioned commentary. Uh, the commentary team was Jim Ross until he left. Uh, <laughs> but Vince McMahon was on play-by-play and Jerry Lawler was on color commentary. This was not a duo I liked. Just mention that out there right now. <laughs> Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross, great. Vince McMahon and Macho Man or Vince McMahon and Jesse Ventura, pretty good. I wouldn't say great. <laughs> I don't think Vince McMahon was great. He had his moments, I guess. Uh, but Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler, I was not a fan of. I, I'm i a fan of Lawler dumping on Vince. That, that always made me laugh. Uh, you know, clearly I... You know, it was if they had a match or whatever, I'd be pulling for Vince. You know, I was like always wanted the good guy to win, but um, to me, it, it just made me laugh. I I didn't hate it, I didn't love it, but uh, you know, I I dealt with it. I mean, we all had to at some point. Um, but this match, uh, they had a decent match. Oh, before the match, actually, Steve Austin's entrance. I read in multiple places that this was the first time. That Steve Austin used his iconic or the first version of his iconic theme song hmm. with the glass shattering and the dun 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 dun. That's why yeah. I read that. Now I don't I'm not sure if that's true, but I read that on the internet. And you gotta believe everything you see on the internet. Absolutely. So that's what I that's what I read, and I wrote that in and I read it back in 2017 because I, I wrote about this <laughs> event back in 2017 for Philly.com. Um, and yeah, I, I read it back then too. So apparently this is the first, this is the debut of that first version of his iconic theme song. So get that out of the way. But uh, this match was a typical match. Uh, just, you know, two guys working hard, trying to get, you know, do some stuff. And then out of nowhere... Uh, Mr. Perfect came down to the ring in a suit, <laughs> in a blue suit. You know, he he was apparently scheduled to return the next night to go against Triple H. Um, but yeah. he showed up. Man, I remember at that. Alive. I remember that. Uh, like it was yesterday. I, re- I remember being so hyped for that <laughs> and being so upset when it didn't happen. <laughs> Why didn't it happen? Uh, they faked uh, injury to Mr. Perfect, and uh. Then I guess Mark Merrow came out with a perfect, like like it perfect was kind of like a mentor for Mark Merrow, and okay. uh, Mr. Perfect kind of was like, yeah, he'll he'll put on the he'll put the IC title on the line, he'll fight you like a man, and then, boom, Mr. Perfect turned on Merrow. He was actually Triple H's manager from that point for a couple weeks before he left the WWF entirely. 
But I was mm. so like excited to see him wrestle again. And they pulled the old bait and switch. That's terrible. Yep. Also in this match, though, we have the... 1996 King of the Ring going against the 1997 King of the Ring, who of course didn't win it yet because it's still 1996. But uh, Triple H eventually got out of the doghouse, won the 97 King of the Ring, and became a bajillion time world champion, uh, as we all know. But in this match, he was just Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Mr. Perfect comes out, uh, kind of you know, cracks on uh, Triple H's valet, you know, spits some game to her, walks off with her. <laughs> Uh, but not before uh, Steve Austin tosses a soda in his face. There's some distraction going on. Eventually, Steve Austin hits a stunner and beats Triple H. <laughs> a lot of weirdness. Uh, There's a lot match. of weird stuff going on. But I will say this. The stunner and the pen got a huge reaction from the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They loved every second of it. <laughs> yeah, looking. the Remember, so I didn't watch Sparty Live Live. I did subscribe to the WWF magazine back then. I would get it in, mm. in the mail every month. And I remember, I don't remember, like, they didn't talk about this match, you know, the next night on Raw or anything like that. I, I'm not sure if they showed stills or anything. Um, so I was really confused when I got the magazine, like, a, month, a couple months later. And they go, you know, through the results of the pay-per-views. And I saw, like, this match. I was like, that was on Buried Alive? Like, what? Like, they were both <laughs> bad guys. I was so confused and then they had like mr perfect show up but by the time i got the magazine he was already gone um, <laughs> <laughs> you know and i was just like what the hell That's is going funny. on here and you know i never read the articles that much in the magazine i just looked at you know they had the cool things that you know, like the smaller type things i would read or like any games or whatever like that like i was 10 years old i didn't really read <laughs> articles <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I saw this, and I was like, what the hell? Like, Triple H versus Austin. That's weird. I was just not feeling it, I guess. Mm. Like I said, three, four years later, this is a main event. Yep. On this show, it wasn't even advertised because <laughs> it was, Triple H was an – or Hunter Hearst Helmsley was an injury replacement yeah. on this night. Do you want to know uh, what I also find... wrote down – Oh, God. Uh, so I also wrote down that Steve Austin audibly cussed out Mr. Perfect <laughs> when he came out to the ring. He definitely dropped the F-bomb in there. They got uh, picked up on the microphones. Oh, Stone Cold. Oh, Never hey, fails. He, he, uh, was, he was method acting in that character. Yeah. Man. He, had to, <laughs> he was. He had to go off. He had to go off. Uh, I don't know if you had anything else to add yeah. to this before. I found it interesting, Jim Ross on commentary. Spe specifically stated that he's responsible for Bret Hart being on Raw uh, the next night. They were talking about Bret Hart a lot. This was him coming back uh, for the first time since WrestleMania, and they talked about it. And I read uh, in the new in the Wrestling Observer that apparently WWF didn't know Bret Hart's decision uh, between because there were legit negotiations going on between WCW and the WWF at the time. And he had an offer from WCW for more money. And Vince McMahon didn't really know if Brett was going to show up uh, and sign with the WWF. But he was going to show up on Raw. You know, they, they were in the middle of the ratings war at this point. And I'm sure Vince was like, apparently he didn't care if Bret Hart chose WCW. They would let him announce that. Um, it's 
96 WWF is so weird, man, because I can actually believe that because they were trying these different things. Um, but apparently they made Jim Ross say that he's responsible for Bret Hart being on Raw because if he didn't show up and showed up on Nitro <laughs> instead, they can actually make him take like the a, heat, you know, right. on they TV. Blame JR. Same with like Razor and Diesel and that type of stuff. So That's bizarre. Yeah. I, I did, you know, a little digging into that. And I didn't I didn't realize that was the reasoning because uh, I, I always thought it was weird because I do remember Jim Ross saying stuff like that. But, you know. Yeah, and the next night he showed up on Raw. That was like when he signed that twenty-year contract. Bret Hart did with the WWF. So, yeah, yeah, that twenty-year contract that lasted all but one year. Yeah, <laughs> if that long. So, uh, moving on to our second match of the night, which is for the WWF Tag Team the World Tag Team ch- Titles, I should say, <laughs> the Smoking Guns going up against the. Defending champions, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. I wrote down here that before the match, Billy Gunn. Boy, was he simping for Sonny. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you said simping. I said smitten, but (laughs) simping's a good word. (laughs) Simping ain't easy. Smitten ain't easy. He was doing it all. And look, here's the thing. Sonny, she is a goofball and a half these days. Let's not even sugarcoat it. She's not to be... (laughs) Someone to be admired, she said, and has done a lot of dumb things over the years. With that said, though, 1996, she was bad as I don't know what, bro. Like, she was on, she was a certified baddie. Yeah. She was a goof, and she was doing some some wild things behind the scenes. Um, But she was looking good, bro. I can't hate on her. She was looking good back yeah. in 96. I'm not saying yeah. she looked good now. Back in 96, though, man. Listen, I was all about Sonny, and I and it was funny because she was she came in as a heel with Skip, and I was always like, "Wow, she's hot!" Like, you know, ten years old, and I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Uh, and she just got better, you know, the next year and into '97, uh, even in '98, you know, and yeah, she was bad. I was I was a Sonny Mark. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people were. And again, let me reiterate: 2020 Sonny, not nah. great. Nah, no. Did not, no, time has not done her well as far as knowledge, I should say. Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, but 1996 through 98, Sonny, woo, doggy. <laughs> what, does, what does Booker T say? Shucky, sucky, <laughs> quack, quack. <laughs> she was a shucky, ducky, quack, quack, whatever it is. She was looking good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> not going to lie. Good. But. So I see why it, it's believable that someone would be simping over Sonny, uh, including Billy Gunn, who was doing that uh, here in 1996. Uh, I wrote down here as well that Hart and Bulldog were managed by Clarence Mason, who was the <laughs> the lawyer of the WWE. He yeah. even told the ref that he's going to sue him for messing <laughs> up a call. And you know what's funny? The the reason he's the manager is because he had Jim Cornette sign over there. Uh, his, you know, managerial license, I guess, after he got knocked out by Jose Lothario <laughs> the previous <laughs> month at Mind Games. It's Clarence fu- Mason, the, John- the Johnny Cochran <laughs> uh, knockoff, I guess. Well, I think, was Clarence Mason an actual lawyer in real life? I, I think I've read that before, honestly. I, I do think I've read that before. I'm just not sure, like, 
how much like he practiced or whatever. Because I mean, could he, he? He was a WWF character for quite a while. I don't yeah, know. I, I, mean, I, I know they taped stuff in advance, so maybe it was an easier schedule for him if he's he really a legit didn't lawyer. Do that, but yeah, no, he's a legit lawyer. Um, but <laughs> it's just like it didn't. It, it wasn't a coincidence that he was made a character on WWF TV <laughs> about a year after the OJ trial. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. And Johnny Cochran became a national name because of this trial that was televised on television pretty much around the clock. And uh, so rest in peace, Johnny Cochran, by the way. But yeah, uh, but yeah that's, that's, no, that's not a coincidence. They knew what they was doing. Mm-hmm. 100%. So, <laughs> right. Clarence Mason. Um, but this match was just a basic tag team match. It wasn't really... Um, anything to really write home about? I no, mean, I, Jim I, Ross was absolutely. knocking Sonny's outfit. Says she's wearing a nightgown. She might catch a cold. Says she missed a couple trips to the woodshed. Um, Billy Gunn messes up. <laughs> Owen Hart and Bulldog win. They retain the titles. I have to say, at Mind Games, they had a terrible finish to their match. And a buried alive, another terrible finish <laughs> to the match. These these teams just don't mesh. You know, they had in at mind games Billy Gunn going around the pin just so he could eat a spinning heel kick from Owen Hart. And then this, you know, Billy's taking forever on the top rope. And Bulldog literally is holding Bart Gunn's belt. And I guess Bart doesn't feel it. And then he waits forever <laughs> until Billy's in the air and then pulls him back. It's like, what the hell is going on here, man? <laughs> it yeah, was just so was, bad. Was, uh, so bad. Yeah, this was definitely... And it's crazy because everybody involved is very talented. Like That's, yeah, a, that's a shame of it. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to see Owen Hart have a match? In there. <laughs> right. Bart, Bart Gunn. Well, right. Featured <laughs> Brawl for All champion, but Bart Gunn could go. Owen Hart, I mean, one of the greatest yeah. of all time. British Bulldog could go. And you had Billy Gunn, who's also a really good wrestler. So it's like, how with all this talent, how did we get this? <laughs> Two months in understand. a row, because I don't even. And it's cra- and it's crazy to think like this is how it's wild how WWF turned it around because with the same people for the most part, WWF didn't bring in a ton of people by '98. They were using a lot of the same people they had already had. It's that they have repackaged a lot of them, which goes to show how much talent they had already had. It just held back with creative. You know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Rocky <laughs> Maya Villa, who didn't debut until later this year, 96. But, um, you know, the ringmaster became Stone Cold. Uh, Billy Gunn became badass Billy Gunn, joined the New Age Outlaws. You had Rockabilly. You had... <laughs> fake diesel who eventually became who was who before that was a dentist and then became <laughs> fake diesel and then finally became thank goodness he became Kane. you know like it's just like they had all this talent you look at the top people in the and by the the height of the attitude era they were already on the roster by 96 <laughs> like yeah. they just didn't know what to do with them yeah. like a lot of them were already there they didn't sign a bunch of young talent they didn't sign the talent to fill out the card until like two ninety nine two thousand when they brought in like Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, Jericho, mm-hmm. Kurt Angle, Taz, Benoit, Guerrero. Like that wasn't until later, but but ninety eight, 
They didn't have none of those guys. <laughs> like, nope. And they they just finally let those the talent that they already had on the roster spread their wings and fly, so to speak. But here in 96, they were not flying. They were just <laughs> hanging out. Billy Gunn was in the smoking guns. Bart Gunn was knocking people out yet. Hunter Hearst Helmsley was Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> um, I mean, Glenn Jacobs was fake diesel. Yeah. I mean, so that's that's just how that was in 96. So uh, anything else about this match? I mean, we have more uh, audio issues from Jim Ross, <laughs> naturally. Yeah. Uh it was funny during that uh, Vince said something about a technical advisor and JR just looks at the camera and does like the, the little smirk and then points at Vince <laughs> with his pencil. I just thought his little things were like hilarious. Like he, <laughs> and it, that made me laugh. Uh, you know, Jer- Jerry Lawler telling Jim Ross to go talk to Clarence Mason <laughs> about his headset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was more entertaining than the match itself. No disrespect to Owen, Bulldog, Billy or Bart, but, uh, that stuff entertained me more. I just I wasn't a fan of these matches back to back, back to back pay per views. Yeah, this 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 is this is not great. This left a lot to be desired. Again, even with all the talent involved, left a lot to be desired. Um, we get a look at Triple H being on the superstar line, even though he lost his match. Um, <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, then Jim Ross gets in the ring. He yells about a conspiracy over the microphone. He cuts a promo and he says, Bret Hart is going to be here tomorrow night in Fort Wayne, baby. He, not, I'm like making him Dusty Rhodes. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what does Bruce Pritchard say? Sassafras. He's going to be in Fort Wayne tomorrow night. My Jim Ross personation is terrible. I got to work on it. <laughs> um, but he promised Bret Hart was going to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana for Raw the next night. And then he left. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. Yep. Didn't we cut to a promo where it was a promo during the free for all, which is the pre-show back in the day, before the pre-kickoff shows and before Sunday Night Heat was like the the pre-show. It was called free for all. Uh, emphasis on the free because it was, you know, you could watch it for free on pay per view, um, on the pay per view channel, I should say. Then it would cut off as the intro <laughs> was playing. Uh, I remember doing that number of nights, watching the uh, yeah. the free for all, and then watching like the 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 warning come up, the pay per view warning, then the intro, and then like halfway through the first match, it'd be like done. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I was hoping that they would let me slide this time. <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Never let me slide, man. Mm. Um, but we go to that promo I was talking about with Farouk, who was talking about. You know, he was still wearing that damn blue helmet, by the way. I don't know. What the hell? Again, uh, another uh, guy who, by 98 and 99, was a, a guy. Like, Nathan <laughs> Domination, then the Acolytes, APA. I mean, come on. APA super, Protection Agency. Super serious promo, too. Like, come on, dude. Right. You what can't the hell wear is going you, on? You can't wear that during a serious promo. Sorry. <laughs> they had him and Bradshaw on the roster. <laughs> yeah. And then two, three years later, they were like... One of the funniest, one of the best tag teams they had as the APA. I don't know. WWF 96, man. But he's talking, and then he's talking about his feud with Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson cuts a promo. Vince McMahon talks all over their promos for some reason. He needs oh, to describe it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it was so annoying. Even back then, I hated that. 
I was like, let me hear what the hell they're saying. I mean, I watched the free-for-all, too, and I know what they said. But oh, I know you did. I just <laughs> I just didn't understand. I mean, I, I didn't see this pay-per-view live, but they did that all the time. They talk over these promos. You would never see that today. It shouldn't just happen. Like, why play the promo? Just, like, I don't understand. Like, just shut up and let him talk. Yeah, just edit it, edit it down to whatever you need and just talk about it after. Like, right. Or, well, like, introduce it like they normally do. To me, I just never understood that. They did the same thing with like ring entrances, like back in the day with like superstars and stuff. They would talk over the ring entrances. I'm like, yo, relax. I want to, I want to know where this guy's from. <laughs> <laughs> parts unknown. Okay, now I know. Some parts unknown. Like, I know that he's from parts unknown now. So that's good. I also know that Cody hair, Cody Rose dyed his hair blonde again. Oh well. Okay. All right. Uh, we're on dynamite right now, so. All right. <sighs> that guy's never going to like have one look, but whatever. That's uh, all right. That's all right. But um, Ahmed Johnson attacked Farouk backstage, apparently, before the show in his tight-ass sweatshirt. <laughs> Two like, by mock four. Mock turtleneck. Oh, man. And his boot-cut jeans. <laughs> um, attacked him with a two-by-four, which we will see later on at the 97 Royal Rumble. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Because yeah. we live commentated that here on the Straight Shooters. <laughs> Go and look in the archives for the 97 Royal Rumble uh, live commentary. That was that was 2017, right? And that's when WWF yeah. or WWE went to San Antonio for the first time since 97 for the Royal Rumble. They were in the Alamo Domes. Oh, let's co- live commentate it. And it's one of the funniest Royal Rumbles of all time, including Ashy-ass Ahmed Johnson eliminating himself so he can attack Farouk in the Royal Rumble <laughs> with a two-by-four. What a time. What a time. Uh, moving on, though. We got Mr. Perfect back out here in the arena. Shirt soaking wet because Steve Austin threw a drink on him earlier. That's what we not forget. And now he's doing the announcing for this next match, which has Goldust challenging Mark Merrow for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. The wild man Mark Merrow comes to the ring with Sable. And Goldust comes to the ring with Marlena, his director. And I wrote here that Goldust circa 1995-1996 was such a dope character that was far ahead of his time. Or maybe it was at the right time because people <laughs> didn't couldn't wrap their heads around it. That's what made it so good. Where maybe if it was today, people are, I would say, slightly more open-minded <laughs> like uh, to, what, to things, you know... More than they were back in the 90s, at least. And maybe they would be able to wrap their heads around it more. But it had such an impact because people was like, what? What is this? This is bizarre. I'm like, Yeah, exactly. Like, that was... They called him, like, the bizarre one. And right. I was one of those that just couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I kind of figured from the start, at least when he started feuding with Razor Ramon, and that's when, like, they really turned it on in, in terms of, like... You know, what the hell is he doing? Is he gay? Is he not? Like, that's really what the whole situation was. That they He's were going androgynous. For. Yeah, and I didn't know what the hell that meant. That really <laughs> but, you know, I didn't look at it, you know, in a bad light. I was like, oh, he's apparently... And I didn't look in real... Like, my character has never been one to discriminate against anyone like that. Um, I just... I was like, okay, this is about psychology. He's trying to make... Razor uncomfortable is Razor supposed to be the heel here? Because why? Like yeah, I guess rubbing up on him is 
you know, not good. Like you, you don't want to do that. But um, I always kind of like dove into the psychological aspect pretty early. So I never thought like, you know, you heard Jerry Lawler, like when Goldust started turning babyface, he asked him if he was queer and uh, that was on Raw. You know, I don't think they even edited that out. And, um, you know, that's kind of, I guess, what they wanted people to, to gravitate towards in that in that story but for me i i guess i was just so used to pro wrestling i was like oh he's just doing that to to get in the head like he won the ic title that way so you know like he's just doing it to mess with you know his opponents so, kudos to dustin rhodes for yeah it was really it was looking back i was like holy hell what a what job like what a job he did right it really bought into that character because dustin rhodes is a good old boy from texas <laughs> you know, probably in real life the exact opposite of this character, but he bought in, and I mean he's Dustin Rose today, but for he'll forever he will forever be Goldust. Yeah. That's that made his career. He has a career today because of Goldust, yeah. not he, because of he still the natural Dustin Rhodes dresses like him. Like you look at him, you're like Goldust because he has the face right. paint, even though it's half. You know the bodysuit, like that's his look. Right. He never. Fully shedded the gold dust aesthetic. Okay. Also, he, he very went, dope. He even went Go back ahead. to WCW, you know, in 2000, and I don't even remember that. Oh, no. Let's not talk about 2000 Dustin Rhodes. What was he, seven or something like that? Or <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then he just became like Dustin Rhodes, but it was like he was, when he was in WCW before Gold Dust, it just, it was weird, you know? And then he went to TNA and became, was he Black Rain? I don't even remember that one. Oh, I remember that. He came, he's coming to the ring with like a rat in the cage or something like that. It was bizarre stuff. <laughs> Look it up. Uh, this, this, it wasn't a good good days for Dustin Rhodes. He, he, he had, he, it, was, it was not a great time in his life, I don't think. Um, but he's he's better now. So shout out yeah. to Dustin Rhodes. Because yeah. um, like I said, he did a great job with this character. Um <laughs> Mark Merrill had that promo before the match, <laughs> and he referred to himself as the Intercontinental Champion of the World, which is like, <laughs> when you think about it, what the hell does Intercontinental mean besides multiple continents around the world, right? Uh, this is why they got to script these guys. <laughs> this, is, this is why we hate the promos of today, because promos like that for Mark Marrow. Damn it. Intercontinental champion of the world. Well, I mean, my favorite line is when he said, I'm the champ and you're the chump to Jerry Lawler. Oh, was, uh, oh, oh. You know, I that. just looked, looked up the definition to intercontinental. It says relating to or relating to or traveling between continents. So... Clearly, WWE I mean, never didn't make up the intercontinental name. Okay, <laughs> no, no, that's a that's a thing. That's a definite. That's a word. <laughs> that was a but joke. It's like, okay. People, oh, okay. Pe- people, <laughs> I'm just people like, oh, he really thinks WWF invented everything. It's like, no, <laughs> it's a joke. And guys. I, I've always found it funny too that they never, even though the belt itself has always said heavyweight on it. Yeah, it's always said heavyweight champion till this day. Even the new <laughs> version of the Intercontinental Championship says heavyweight champion on it intercontinental heavyweight champion but it's not a world title no nope. technically but it's intercontinental but not all the countries i don't know you i don't get it you are not allowed to 
defended on the water. No oceans. Okay. 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 But the ocean. But the war titles you could defend on the ocean. On the water, like and on, yeah. on like Jericho's cruise. That title is. Yeah. Absolutely. That's how the title North Pole, the defended. South Pole. Yep. Ah, got you. Got you. Okay. Antarctica. Sure. The world title. Uh, yeah, I got you. Okay. That's that's silly. I don't. Know. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's the worst. <laughs> it's silly. <laughs> trying to make sense of stuff like that's the worst. Even though, look, Intercontinental t- Title is the old school IT title, still one of my favorite belts of all time, and yeah. the Intercontinental Championship has had some classic matches over the years, some great champions. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I just think too much about and overanalyze things. What the hell does Intercontinental mean if it's not a world title? I don't know. Maybe I'm misconstruing this. Um, next thing I wrote down <laughs> well, here is when. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say another thing that made that didn't make sense to me was Mister Perfect coming out for this match, and he literally said, "You think I'm gonna sit here after what Austin did to me without doing something about it? What the hell? <laughs> he, what the hell's he doing? Yeah, I'm gonna watch this match. That's what I'm gonna do. Like, yeah, yeah. I get that he was Mark Murrow's like mentor, but he never even like really mentioned him. He was just like. Well, but you're mad at Austin, so what the hell are you doing out yeah. here? Like, you, what are you, you doing? When you said that, that's the first time I heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that beforehand. It's, like, ridiculous. Uh, another thing that was ridiculous was that I always forget that Sable's, like, theme music was Mark Merrill's first. Yeah. And it didn't fit him at all. <laughs> it was much better with well, Sable. I don't <laughs> the Wildcat, man. The Wildcat Mark but it Merrill. Just, it just fits Sable more. Like, I agree. Ow, like Cougar. <laughs> ow, like I don't know why. Wow, <laughs> I just didn't fit Mark Merrill to me. Even though he's the wild man, I get it. He's crazy, and they made him like an animal, which is weird. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> they like to mentally the crazy, which I guess is like good. You know, you don't want to knock mental health. Make him an animal, but he just did high flying moves, which is another thing I gotta mention. Uh, Mark Merrill was like super athletic wrestler for mid nineties, like to yeah. for mid nineties standards. Mark Merrill was the high flyer of wrestling in America, at least not you know not, not Japan, not in Mexico, obviously, but in the United States when he was Johnny B. Bad and when he came to WWF, he was the Wild Man. The reason why they called him the Wild Man is because he would do a shooting star press and he would do dives over the top or a dive one <laughs> one per match over the top rope and it's like my have times have changed like yeah because he got pushes he got a push in wcw as johnny b bad he got a big push in wwf from the start he got the big pyro you know in his entrance like people saw something in mark marrow it didn't necessarily he didn't go to the top but there was something that they saw in him he had a great physique and for his time he was very athletic yeah, I was. I actually, he's one of the parts of 1996 I really enjoyed in the WWF. I always looked at him as Johnny B. Bad, and then when he, it took me a while to get accustomed to, okay, the wild man Mark Merrow, the wild man Mark Merrow. But a lot of the stuff he did in the ring was similar to, to what he did in WCW. And it's funny, the first show I ever saw him in was like a Clash of the Champions, and he was wearing a mask. So I was like so confused, like seeing him without a mask. I was like, "Wait, that's his look, though." But it was just part of the angle that he was in at the time, and I I enjoyed his WWF run more than I did in his WCW run. And mm. uh, you know, I didn't really, 
I mean, the, this match wasn't like incredible or anything like that, but like the high flying type stuff, you know, I enjoyed that. Like back then, like I think it's so overdone now, and I like anyone who tries to disagree with me is wrong because like literally every <laughs> every match has you know flips over the top rope and whatnot. But when he did it, like it was for me, it was like oh, like a heavyweight doing that type of stuff. It's not like cruiserweights in WCW. It was like Mark Merrill was one of the first people I saw do stuff like that. So I guess that just left an impression on me. I really enjoyed this run he had before he came back as marvelous Mark Merrill. Oh yeah, marvelous Mark Merrill with the the, gold, with the boxing robe and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because you know, marvelous Mark Merrill. But I mean, this match. Marvin- Probably started Marvin Hagler, you know, <laughs> the whole thing. This match probably started his, you know, shift to that character because he got hurt. <laughs> he did doing a dive, which is funny because they right. were talking about like how he takes a lot of risks and this, you know, it could be it could work against him. And then lo and behold, like the next move, boom, he hurt his knee. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, yep. I don't think they were uh, intending for that to happen, but. Uh, look, look, didn't look good either. I'm surprised he he didn't finish the match with like a noticeable limp. Yeah, but he he like it didn't look good. And, and like he was limping right away, but then it's like, wait, is he just is he hurt? Because it didn't look like he, you know, a few minutes later, like he was moving fine. But you know what they say, like even when Carson Wentz tore his ACL, he was still walking out there and like uh, he was know, limping, maybe though. it's just the adrenaline. He was he was limping though. Even before yeah. that touchdown he threw to Alshon, uh, oh yeah, before he yeah, left the game, yeah, he he was definitely limping, yeah. and he didn't move around in the pocket when he no, threw that he, ball. He just stood there. That's when I knew something was wrong. By the way, yeah, I was like, oh, he's not. Yep, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, one thing I noticed that was weird in this match was that Goldust grabbed a microphone <laughs> in the middle of the match, yeah. and then said he's going to stick his tongue down everybody's throats, <laughs> sir. Sir, did you just threaten to French kiss everybody? He did. He did that multiple times. By the way, this was not his first time doing that. <laughs> I think that was his. Sir, that was his shtick. That is sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, he did it at. Uh, I think I saw him do it at King of the Ring against the Ultimate Warrior. Like he was legit hurt, so that match never happened. But like he grabbed the microphone and. He didn't say he was going to stick his tongue down everyone's throat, but he was like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come out there and personally kiss each and every one of you. So shut up. Like It's funny like how that, that like, <laughs> gets heat. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to kiss you. It's like, ah, oh, this person's evil. Which I guess if you're kissing you against your will, then yeah, that is right, evil. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't ask you to kiss me. I didn't give you permission. Right. You know, so yeah, that's sexual assault. That's terrible. But I found was, that I found that kind of weird. In '96 WWF, it was just so like different. '1996 <laughs> as a as a planet was different. <laughs> like the yeah, whole true. world, <laughs> where somebody could just say that and it's be like, "Boo, you suck." Nowadays, <laughs> it'd be how many articles and tweets written about how this person threatened the fans with sexual assault. Like, yeah, which I get. It's good. Like we should be more hypersensitive to stuff right, like that. Right. But back in '96, it's just like, ah, what a yeah. what a what a jerk. And stuff like that shouldn't just be something that a wrestling heel does for heat. Like, it, <laughs> you know, there, there's wrestling heat, and no. then there's like real life heat. <laughs> yeah, sexual assault is never something we should do for yeah. uh, for for wrestling heat. Uh, not let's not do that. No. Um, at some point, 
Mr. Perfect, who <laughs> he was on when he was on commentary, he was talking trash about Steve Austin. And said, yeah. was like, Austin, you might be some kind of whoop ass, but it's like what? <laughs> I think you I think you uh misspoke there, Mr. Perfect. I really Let's think... just say that was a imperfect sentence. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, I, he cracked me up. He's like, Goldust has great athletic ability, just like Razor Ramon and Diesel. Uh, they're great athletes. That's why JR brought them to the WWE. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, wait, like, are you supposed to be a heel or a face? Like, what is what going on What are you talking here? about? You don't, you, somebody <laughs> tell them. Somebody want to tell them? <laughs> <laughs> and I know, like, I mean, right here he's a he's a face because he's in Mark Burrow's corner or side. But you know, he he always had this knack of making me feel like he was a heel. You know, because I felt like I even in ninety he did commentary at the Survivor Series ninety five almost a year prior to this, and it, it was like he was a heel all night. And then when Bret Hart beat Diesel, like he was just like, I don't believe it, like. It was almost like a baby face. So, Mr. Perfect was like the most confusing wrestling character in the WWF <laughs> post post nineteen ninety three, really. Because when he came back in ninety four at WrestleMania as that special ref, it was like every time he came back, he came back maybe like two or three times. It was like a tweener type thing. I just could never get, I could never understand his character. And I don't know if you could ever time. turn Mr. Perfect. Fully babyface though, like he's called Mister Perfect. His whole character well, <laughs> is that I'm better than you. I mean, they so they even though people in... liked him because he did play the role very well and he's a great performer and he was he was entertaining. But and he, you know he was represented kind of the older guard. At even at 96, he was not like a young gun. You know, he was around since 1990. Yeah, and being around for six years is like oh he's you know he's been around for a while. But you uh, can never be fully a babyface with Mr. Perfect. <laughs> well, they tried um, in '93 with the Lex Luger thing, and I was like, "Yeah, like Lex Luger's the narcissist." So Mr. Perfect talking crap about him is funny. But other than that, you know, did really they have a WrestleMania match? They did, yeah, and he lost. They did WrestleMania nine. <laughs> but that's but, still, that babyface turn when he teamed with Randy Savage in '92. That was great. Like that was. I think the peak of Mr. Perfect as a babyface, you can't really get better than that. Mr. Perfect, though, was a great heel. He's a fantastic yeah. heel. Yeah. And he, he was Kurt Hennig in WCW, so I guess he could have had more leeway, but he was always just Mr. Perfect. He's always just that character. Yep. Even in WCW, he was essentially Mr. Perfect, just not a name. And that's why people, he was just a, still a great heel. <laughs> like, yeah. and turned on the Four Horsemen. <laughs> Man, I know you that was, was like, still no, one of the best angles. Screw you, Mr. Perfect. I mean, Kurt Hennig. <laughs> Mr. Hennig. <laughs> Mr. Hennig. <laughs> oh, Rest in peace funny. to Mr. Perfect, by the way, Kurt uh, I miss him. Oh. He was great. He would be All great as like great. a promo nowadays or something like that. Just be he'd be great as like a train, uh, maybe as like a trainer or coach, something like yeah, that. He'd be, yeah. he'd be dope. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's um that was a huge loss for wrestling, Mr. Perfect. It's a shame. But um on this night though, it was just him helping Mark Merrow. Like yeah. for some reason. He comes out, helps Mark Merrow, Triple H comes out, he confronts Mr. Perfect, Gold just tried to attack Perfect, Perfect countered, and then out of nowhere, 
Romero is hitting a shooting star press for the win, and that's the end of this match. Another weird finish, but at least we got to see a shooting star from Mark Romero. So, what did he call that? Oh, the wild thing. The wild thing. Wild (laughs) thing. Which could they even say that on TV? Like, wasn't that copyrighted or something? Well, they did. They absolutely did because I heard it. That's a song. I know. And it was major league wild thing. Ricky Vaughn. Like, yep. That's where I first heard that phrase, by the way. Actually, no, Mitch Mitch Williams in 93, they called him the wild thing. The Phillies Phillies closer. So that's the first time I heard that. So it's funny you mentioned Major League. It was like the second time. And then you have Mark Merrow saying the wild thing. So I always associate wild thing with Phillies, Mitch Williams, Philadelphia. And it just makes me laugh. Damn. He was wild thing until game six, huh? (laughs) Damn. I don't, you know what's funny? I didn't watch the games. I don't know what was wrong with it. I don't know if it's because I was nervous or what, but I, I didn't watch the You just the don't moves. like watching Phillies games, apparently. No, like <laughs> in 93, like I started watching them, but like then the playoffs started and I was like, no, I don't want to watch it. Like I'm scared you're, or something. You're scared. You didn't yeah. watch an 08 when Matt <laughs> Stairs ripped one into the night. <laughs> we talked about that last yeah. week or two weeks ago, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. And then you are again. Not, you didn't watch the '93 Phillies, which is still to this day, which is odd. It's very odd. Probably still the most beloved Phillies team in Philadelphia, uh, even though the OA team won the World Series. I think '93 team is still like rivaled them as far as beloved. Maybe may, all right. Maybe it's changing now because people. There's a younger generation of fans who the OA team is their team from right. childhood. Yeah. Where if you ask people ten years ago, and I'm talking 2010. We're not talking. I'm talking post 2008. There's still people around, but like 93 Phillies were great. Like, but the team just won the World Series a couple years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, am I am I tripping on that though? I, I think you have a, a good point. Uh, for me, I, think, I, I guess I talk to many people that uh, prefer that five year window of winning a World Series. Uh, you know, Cole well, Hammer, I would hope so. Hour. Like, yeah, like, but. I think the it's almost like the why Eagles fans love Buddy Ryan, even though he. I was just going to mention that it's like kind of the same type of time yeah. period era type of yep. vibe. But I think you know, the '93 Phillies should not be uh, canonized, anything like that. Like they, I mean, they had I'm not going to knock. On, I'm not saying year. they shouldn't be remembered. They should be remembered. They, they won but, the National League and they went to Game Six of the World Series. Yeah, but people look at them very like when I was at I'm pretty sure I was at Philly.com. I, you know, I'm pretty sure I read a lot of '93 Philly stories when I was there. <laughs> like, like <laughs> that was still a team that was still being like talked about, remembered, and whatnot. I don't know, but um, shout out to the '93 Phillies <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. the away Phillies. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to kind of think of the way I started because '93 was the first year I started watching them. But with the playoffs, like school started, you know, September, October, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to stay up late. They, uh, you know, aired the games just like they do now, like eight right. o'clock start times. It's like ridiculous. Right. Um, so I guess it's different for me because I didn't, I didn't get to watch it. Like I would listen to it on the radio as I'm falling asleep, but. Like that was really the extent of it. 
And then when they lost the World Series, I, you know, someone came in my room or something like that. And then I went in my mom's room to watch it on TV, watch like the Blue Jays celebrate. And I was just kind of confused. I'm like, yeah. wait, so there's no game after this? Like, this is, <laughs> this <laughs> is make, it, buddy. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of had to get it explained to me that the Phillies wouldn't play until like April, you know. So it was, yeah, it was just a weird time. But the 93 Phillies are uh, kind of like lightning I in think, the bottle thing. I think you, if you ask, a middle-aged man who was like in his 20s or 30s in, in 93 they were like man i love that team like <laughs> <laughs> didn't get it done but i love that team and there was so much fun man it's like yeah a lot of did. character and a lot of characters yes. so a lot I of think characters that, that, in that team yes that has a lot to do with it easy to love uh, at for baseball purposes you know um and they were kind of like the major league team, like the, the yeah, movie. Like, yeah. Nobody thought they were going to win anything, and exactly. then all of a sudden they got to the World Series. Exactly, and that's probably part of it. I even had like a program or something that was like from worst to first. And mm-hmm. like I didn't realize they were the worst team, you know, the year prior. <laughs> like I had just started watching them in 93. I thought that was the normal, you know what I mean? And I thought that Phillies uniform was normal. Like imagine my surprise <laughs> when I saw the powder blues. I'm like, who's what team is that? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> So, yeah, like – that was my first impression, but I'm so glad I had 2000, even 2005, 2006, like they were competitive through 2011, yeah. 2012. So that's my Phillies, my era of Phillies love, and I'm glad I got to, you know, live through that. Yeah. It was a fun time when the Phillies were dope, and the summers was dope. Man, it was awesome. At Citizens Bank Park. It was, it was a lot of fun, I'll, yeah. I'll admit. Um, but back to Buried Alive, 1996. <laughs> Before the Phillies were really dope. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're here now with Jim Ross, who's backstage with, again, fake Razor Ramon, fake Diesel, who, fake Diesel was being played by Glenn Jacobs, who, of course, eventually became Kane. What a time. Again, WWF had these people on their roster in 96 and just didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> But fake Razor Ramon was played by Rick Titan, who was a, a guy who was out here like wrestling a lot back in the nineties. And never but never really got like a big shot. I mean Rick yeah. his name was Rick Bognar, his real name, I honestly. He's a Canadian wrestler. Um he died last year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in twenty nineteen, September twentieth. Um, but he was like in Canada, he was working a lot in Canada, and he got to the WWF, and they just didn't really do much with him besides make him fake Razor Ramon, which was weird. But yeah, and um, it, I don't even know where he came from. I guess he was in the USWA, but um, I don't even think he went WCW. I mean, I could be wrong, but this is the only time I really saw him. Yeah, so rest in peace to Rick Titan, Rick Bognar, I should say, but. uh he was a guy like you figured that his size and his stature, he would have been like a guy that would have gotten a real shot as a character besides Razor Ramon. Yeah. But it just <laughs> didn't happen. I don't know why. Um, so now we're going to the semi-main event. Sid Vicious, or Psycho Sid, I should say, versus Vader. And what was being billed as Powerbomb versus Powerbomb. My question was, Why? I didn't know Vader was like a big power bomb guy. I thought he, he had a Vader bomb. Yeah, I, uh, 
but not a power bomb. Sid had a power bomb. Maybe it was about this time they just decided to build to this match, and Vader started doing power bombs. I don't know, and just so they could call it the Battle of the Power Bombs. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't buy it. You could have just called a Vader bomb versus power bomb. Could have. No, power bomb versus power bomb. Um, the winner of this match would get a title shot against Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship, obviously, at Survivor Series, uh, which, I mean, obviously, we know what happened there. But on this night, we didn't know, so we're going into it with fresh eyes, and we got Sid coming into this match with the crowd firmly behind him, which, in hindsight, I don't really blame people for cheering for Sid, because Sid, in, at least in WWF, I don't know about WCW Sid. I mean, I know about him, but I don't really know, like... He, like Sid and like WCW after he left WWF this time not good and WCW the first time uh, but this Sid in this time period in WWF was awesome <laughs> not like Sid in 95 96 97 WWF he was jacked to the gills he was tall he's huge he had his crazy promo style <laughs> And he actually like reacted to the cheers and he bought into it and it was like, yo, Sid is dope. Like I, I know I know Sid has had his share of controversies over the years. And people like to make fun of Sid for his promos. We're live, pal. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but I'm not I, I don't blame people at all for cheering Sid back in the mid nineties. Like he should have been a huge, huge, huge star in wrestling. He just wasn't for a variety of reasons. Was, most of it probably his own fault. Um, but so much potential, and I think the fans recognize it's like, yeah, we want to get behind him. We want to get behind Psycho Sid. <laughs> it's called a psycho. I, I don't uh, know why that made him a baby face, but I I remember being kind of angry about it because I was like, why aren't these guys cheering Shawn Michaels like that? Like, what the hell? He's a champion. <laughs> I didn't see. Uh, I didn't like. You know. Sid just doing like a choke slam or whatever, or a power bomb. Like he wasn't, you know, doing drop kicks stuff like that. And I was like, Shawn Michaels is doing that. Like he's doing all these different moves. Like it's awesome. Why? Why are people like not cheering for him as much as they're cheering for Sid? Like because I, Sid was awesome. I, I got he was mad. More awesome. <laughs> yeah, but I got mad. I was like, what the hell? Screw Sid. Damn it. <laughs> Sid was. Awesome. Sid reminded me of like an '80s B movie action star. <laughs> Which is awesome. <laughs> like, like, I don't know why that was awesome. <laughs> you just look at Sid and he's just huge guy with no shirt on and a vest yeah. with jeans. And he's just yeah. beating people up in the bar, like Roadhouse or something like that. <laughs> which had Terry Funk in it, by the way. Yeah. Um But he was awesome. Come on, man. He, Sid ruled back in ninety six. I, I, I like him I like watching him back now, but when I'm in ninety six, I'm like what the hell? You know, <laughs> just I didn't get it. You know, I just didn't. Get I got it. it. I got it. <laughs> Sid rules. <laughs> That's all that needs to be said. The master and the ruler of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. He Maybe that's why it. I was just like, what the hell? He ain't going to rule me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> this is democracy. <laughs> I live in America. We don't believe in rulers. That's what my social studies studies yeah, teacher taught me. Exactly. 
when Get out talking here, the country you. was discovered in 1492 <laughs> by Christopher Columbus. <laughs> I believe my social studies teacher when she told me that. That damn curriculum. <laughs> Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, by the way. Yes. Um. <laughs> Another person in this match that was pretty awesome was Vader. There's two awesome people in this match. Also awesome was Vader's theme music. You talk about dope. Vader's theme music was dope as hell. He was one of the... Full Metal, the album, by the way, is a hell of an album. Uh, Maybe WWF's best album. Uh, A lot of awesome entrance themes. And Vader is definitely one of them. And... Uh, I definitely rocked out to that. Bro, it's dope. That beat. Boom, 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 boom. It was dope. And he had the, the, the little, it's time at the beginning. Like, it was it was crazy. <laughs> Jim Johnson, again, I, we probably praise him every week, but what yeah. a musical genius this guy was. He should be in the WWE Hall of Fame for sure one day. Tomorrow. <laughs> like, do it. Yeah. Like, he's great. Like, that music was so good. Uh, but also... What wasn't good was WWE's booking of Vader. Did they ever, I mean, did they ever drop the ball with Big Van Vader? My God. I understand he had a couple of injury issues. And then he ran into the roadblock known as Shawn Michaels. But, man, they just talk about opportunity squandered. Look no further than than Man, Vader. He took out Gorilla Monsoon his second night in the company. Like, how you go from that, you know, dominating in the Royal Rumble, even though he was eliminated, and then taking out Gorilla Monsoon, like, how do you not get a title run after that? Like, I, Shawn yeah. Michaels. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, he could have beat him at SummerSlam, could have beat him at Survivor Series, and then did the same thing Sid did, but, um, you know, for whatever reason, Shawn Michaels didn't want that, but Imagine the heat, man. Like I, I just think like people like Sid, and I think that was the problem. Because how can you make Shawn Michaels more likable by losing to Sid and then beating him? Because uh, it's in San Antonio of the Alamo Dome. That's why. But you know, Vader would have been such a better, I don't know, such a better like rival. I think during this time for Shawn Michaels, and I guess he just didn't. They didn't see eye to eye or something, but. Vader was a hell of a character at this time. I even kind of liked him with Mankind, to tell you the truth. After that, it just went downhill. But Yeah, I feel like you mentioned Shawn Michaels and Vader could have been a great rivalry. The styles class that those two had, you could have Vader beat him, and then he drops it back to Vader. You know, Vader drops it back to Shawn Michaels at some point. Maybe that could have happened, like you said, at Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or whatever. Um, but it just didn't happen, like you said. It's terrible. But I am glad though, at least that um I mean he he, he was at the WWE Hall of Fame in twenty sixteen to induct Stan Hansen. But is he in the Hall of Fame? Is he in the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't think he is. Yeah, he passed away what last year he passed away in 2018 I don't think he's in yet I don't think so either 
No, because he wasn't. Well, he wasn't on the most recent one in twenty twenty. Here's so. the thing. Here's the thing. He should have went in. Period. Yeah. He should have went in while he was alive. Yeah. There shouldn't have been a wait. There shouldn't have been. I mean, what what was? What, come on. What was the holdup for? And then he's passed away. Like give people. Like, we've said this before about WWE in the past. Give people their flowers while they're alive to smell them. And WWE, for whatever reason, just doesn't like doing that. And another opportunity missed mm-hmm. for you know the man they call Vader, one of the greatest big men of all time in the entire history of professional wrestling. But um, and again, they 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 dropped the ball with him back in the nineties. They dropped the ball again. You know, in the 2010s, when they could have inducted him to the Hall of Fame at any point. Yeah. Could have done it in 2012, 2013, 2014. It would have been, yo, Vader's in the Hall of Fame. Great. He deserves it. Instead, right. it still hasn't happened. Even posthumously, still hasn't happened. So, rest in peace to Leon White, better known to the world as Vader. Uh, you deserved better, at least from WWE in that standpoint. 100% agree. And by the way, he was a star on Boy Meets World too, man. I there you him. go. I loved him. Come on. There's like two episodes, three episodes, something like that. And he was Frankie's father and they filmed, you know, some episode at, you know, their house show. Like, it's just awesome. He was, he, I always had a soft spot for Vader, even though he was a heel. Uh, and not just because of the Boy Meets World thing, but I had actually watched him in WCW. Uh, you know, I said he was great my, in my WCW. First, WCW show was like a Clash of the Champions in 93 when he faced the British Bulldog in the main event. And, you know, like that's one of the very few people whenever I would turn on WCW and he was on, like I wouldn't change the channel. So, you know, Vader's the guy. He was he was great. Man. He, was, he was the man in WCW. He was the man in Japan. That rhymed. Um, and he should have been the man in WWF. And a you know, even if happen. not for a few months, like it's not going to hurt. Right. You know, <laughs> it shouldn't have happened. It didn't have to be a year long type of thing with him and Shawn Michaels. It could have been a couple months, like you said. It could have been from SummerSlam to Survivor Series, or from SummerSlam to the Royal Rumble. But it just didn't happen. But the beneficiary of that was Sid, um, because he got to beat uh, Vader on this night with a choke slam. So we got all this stuff about. Power bombs, and then <laughs> Sid wins with a choke slam. Whoop de do. Um, <laughs> but but during the match, I remember Vince McMahon on commentary saying, "Oh, because Shawn Michaels came out before the match. He came out sitting on commentary to watch the match, and he shook Sid Sid's hand and he cussed out Vader before he sat down <laughs> at the commentary table." I said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> cussed him out. <laughs> Um, but Vince McMahon was like, here comes the most charismatic champion of all time. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> most charis- they like, they, WWF to this day love giving out these goofy, like monikers oh, and nicknames. Yeah. They call John Cena the, the controversial John Cena. It's like, no, he's just polarizing. It's not controversial <laughs> at all. Um, and you know, here we are again with v- Shawn Michaels. Charismatic, like Hulk Hogan didn't have charisma. Like, like he was pretty charismatic. I think. Uh, I think Ultimate Warrior is pretty charismatic. I think Randy Savage was pretty charismatic. I mean, 
Yeah. I don't think Shawn Michaels topped those guys necessarily in charisma. Uh, he topped them in ring ab- in ring ability, possibly. I mean, maybe Randy Savage. That's you know, but he topped Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior in ring ability. But I don't know if he topped uh, those guys with charisma. But you know, they had to give something to Shawn Michaels, I guess, to make to pump his tires a little bit. Yeah, like flamboyant and stuff like that. And <laughs> it's like, okay, like they always, they had all these adjectives and I was just like, I don't care. Just like have him win. <laughs> yeah. It's clearly cares. your next guy. And I don't know what the hell they did after that. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> um, at one point, Vader had Sid, beat, Sid beaten, but he lifted him off the mat, which caused Jim Cornette, who was Vader's manager, to lose his ever-loving mind. And it was great. Because, you know, <laughs> Jim Cornette is, has this impersonation made famous by Bruce Pritchard. Goddamn! Why didn't you beat him? Beat him! Why don't you beat him? Come on! Goddamn! Beat him! <laughs> Sid Vader didn't beat him, no. He just, he didn't. And he tried to hit him with the Vader bomb and missed. And Sid got the choke slam in and won. He moved on to Survivor Series, where he eventually did beat... Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship on another night where Sid was wildly over. You thought he was over in Indianapolis? <laughs> well, you didn't see him in Madison Square Garden at Survivor Series because <laughs> it was way more. <laughs> I still, uh, and I I saw the Survivor Series live. I'm like, what is it about him? <laughs> <laughs> he rules. That's it. <laughs> he is awesome. <laughs> That's it. There's no in-depth explanation needed. There's no think piece. There's no Long form, it's just like he's awesome, and that's it. It's very simple. <laughs> <laughs> um, after the match, Shawn Michaels got in the ring, shook his hands, and or his hand, not his hands, plural, one hand. <laughs> but that was a reason enough for WWF to say, shoot off the fireworks, boom, 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 fireworks shot off off of a handshake. It's like, what, what just happened? What, <laughs> what's going on? I didn't understand that. I don't know, man. WWF was just looking for reasons to spend money, apparently. <laughs> we need fireworks. Where can we put them in this show? Where are Where is there a fireworks moment? How about when Sid and Shawn Michaels shake hands? That's it. As soon as they do the one shake, shoot them off. Let's go. And that's what uh, happened. T- talk about money. Like, Did you notice that? gold dust glitter all over Sid's back. (laughs) They did all this stuff with gold dust. And around this time frame, it happened to like everybody. I'm sure people were like, please let my match go on before gold dust. Please. (laughs) Because everybody was covered in that stuff. It just, you know, unless you were. Gold dust goes on first and like, oh, come (laughs) on. (laughs) Come on. Make gold dust a main eventer, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Give him the title. Yeah, just give him all the belts. <laughs> all the belts. <laughs> so he is just him in every event. match, like he's in <laughs> yeah. every single match, defending all the titles like Kurt Angle on TNA. <laughs> I still, by the way, I was watching TNA at that point, but I I don't remember that. Uh, that oh my well, god! But I, you know, it was How the funniest you thing. Forget that time I, because I try very hard to forget it. I think he had the women's title too. Like he had all the <laughs> titles. Like <laughs> he beat Gail Kim for the women's title. Oh, he made man. a tap out with an ankle lock. TNA like, crossed the line, man. Crossed the line, bro. 
Remember that? That was their big slogan. Yeah. In like 07, cross the line. It's like, but yeah, know, like we don't need to cross the line. Just stop. I just remember that picture with him and Karen Angle, or formerly Karen Angle, now Karen Jarrett. When he had all the belts and they're taking pictures with all the belts, she's got belts in her hands. It's like she he can't hold them all. She's got to hold a couple. How ridiculous is that? He beat Samoa Joe for all the belts. That's <laughs> 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 stupid. TNA man, cross the line. Uh, we gotta we gotta do a deep dive on a TNA show at some point. Oh man, I would love to. I actually, uh, I do. I, I I would implore you to subscribe to impact plus and uh, maybe pick something from there because uh, they don't have like a, a big selection of you know impacts from certain years because i would love to like do a deep dive on that first impact that went again the head-to-head raw when uh you know hogan oh and bishop showed up but they don't have that on there unless oh they added it in the, you know the leave last it month, off but, that show oh, dude i love it oh my <laughs> god with the terror i remember that show like it was yesterday because it was like a big deal yeah, yeah january 4th too which is like the night of the rest of the tokyo dome show it was yeah. like what the hell what a crazy day in wrestling that was yep tokyo dome show and impact and raw and, and then impact had hulk hogan like you said rick flair showed up and then on raw bret hart came back to wwf what <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy day I really, I was so pumped for that. And then you had like Jeff Hardy, you know, appearing on TNA. There were so many rumors that That's day. So weird. It was such a, you know, crazy time. I remember, uh, you know, a month prior to that, I think Bret Hart, it, it was announced like Bret Hart had signed a contract. And um, so I was like so excited for this night. And I mean, it, it wasn't terrible, I guess. But we'll talk about it at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, we'll Let's definitely have to dive it. into it. Maybe we'll watch both <laughs> shows. <laughs> like, oh, man. Because I know that Raw is definitely on the network. So It should be, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. And thankfully, uh, it's a two, hopefully a two-hour Raw. Hopefully, they didn't make that one ooh. a three-hour one. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> that might be a three-hour show, bro. Oh, that might have been one of those three-hour specials. Uh, they had pre-three hours every week. Oh, man. Um... <laughs> Back to Buried Alive, though. We're talking. Yeah. They now are promoting Survivor Series, which is the next big pay per view, the next month, I should say, at Madison Square Garden in New York. But one thing they promoted was like a whole weekend of events, including the Hall of Fame ceremony. Yeah. Which was like, huh, I didn't know they had the Hall of Fame ceremony at Survivor Series weekend, which calls me to do some digging. And of course, the <laughs> first Hall of Fame was 93. When they inducted Andre the Giant, he went in by himself. There wasn't a class. It was just Andre the Giant. And in 94, 95, there was a ceremony, but it was during King of the Ring weekend in in, in June. It was like, okay. Yep. They were kind of dancing around where they should have been the whole time, but they got there eventually. (laughs) And then in 96, they moved it to November at Survivor Series. I guess it's New York bigger city you can get more people in there you yeah. know whatever yeah. and the class that year were mikhail i'm hope i'm saying this right skukluna that's what i would have pronounced it <laughs> okay skikluna there you go skikluna oh, I, I apologize she-kluna? if i she-kluna? Uh, maybe i apologize if i butchered that um Baron. but luau captain <laughs> luau bano jimmy snooker 
Johnny Rods, Killer Kowalski, who trained uh, a Blitz. bunch of wrestlers back in the day. He's a great wrestler himself, but he also trained a bunch of wrestlers, including Hunter Hearst Helmsley, mm-hmm. uh, Pat Patterson, who we all know, uh, and the Valiant Brothers, Jimmy and Johnny, you know, the Valiants, and Vincent J. McMahon, who, of course, is Vince McMahon's father, uh, who he bought the territory from, of course, in 1984. Uh, so, yeah, that was the 96th class of the WWE Hall of Fame. But here's the thing about the WWE Hall of Fame. They was like, we're not doing it again <laughs> the next year. <laughs> <laughs> it was not seen again until 2004. When they was like, you know what? We did it at King of the Ring. <laughs> we did it at Survivor Series. But we got this bigger event called WrestleMania. We should probably combine it with that. Because nobody cared about it when it was at King of the Ring. Nobody cared about it at Survivor Series. We could get people to care about it if we did it at WrestleMania, though. Right? And somebody was like, you know what? Probably Vince McMahon. It was like, you know what? That's a good idea. Goddamn. Goddamn, pal. That's a good idea. And it's been there ever since. So, but it took him eight years to figure that out. <laughs> like, I don't know why. <laughs> and it was back in Madison Square. It was back in New York City. So. That's true. <laughs> it's like, and I, they did it obviously that year because that was WrestleMania twenty. Yeah. So I guess that was a good year for them to bring it back. But I guess it's like you know this is kind of a good thing. We can kind of honor some guys, bring some guys back, get some guys yeah. in the fold. People like nostalgia. Let's keep doing this every year. Then they got Hogan back in, in two thousand five. Hogan Piper. You know, there's been a lot of big names. You know, Dusty winning, I think, in 06. You know, so it's worked out. And yeah. now it's like it's like a staple of WrestleMania weekend now mm-hmm. um, to where people buy tickets to see uh, yeah, the Hall of Fame. Induction. And I'm one of the probably few that sit at home and watch it. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I am en- not one of those people. I enjoy it. I just enjoy hearing, like, stories and stuff like that, so... I used to, look. I used to be like, "Yo, I'm gonna watch this and check it out," and, and I, I enjoy it too. And then it turned into like a five hour marathon. I was like, "Nope, <laughs> not doing it." Yeah. And that's the roughest part, definitely. When it was like two or three hours, like I could tolerate that, but then it's so long and boring. And I hate to rag on the people who are going in to the Hall of Fame. It means a lot to those people, and it should. It's an honor for them. They worked hard, and they deserved that accomplishment. I'm not knocking them in any way. I'm not trying to disrespect them in any way. But from a from a, from a television viewer standpoint, it's not a fun watch. No. There's a reason and, why people like the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, the Cooperstown, you know, for baseball. It doesn't right. last that long. <laughs> no. And I've been to – look, it's funny, it's funny you say that. I've been to the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony twice. Mm-hmm. It's such a slog. It's so long. It's so long. And it's not really, and because it's not really like a real deal Hall of Fame, like there's no voting yeah. process. It's just yeah. like we kind of set it up like a card. Here's a main event. Here's a tag team. Here's your woman. Like, you know, but, you know, it's, it's okay. Like I went, like I went 2014, 2015. 2014 was memorable because that was when Jake Roberts went in. That's when Scott Hall went in. That was a big deal because both of them had been through a lot, obviously. Uh, to no, get no, to no. that point, wasn't that uh, Razor Ramon? You're right, Razor <laughs> Ramon. My bad, not Scott <laughs> So weird, dude. That just still irks me. I, like, uh, whatever. Well, look, no, he's to me. Kevin he's still Nash went in as Kevin Nash. He did. He probably made it a point to be Kevin Nash. Like, I'm not <laughs> going in this Diesel. Um, 
But Razor Ramon is dope, though. And his theme music was dope. Yeah. You know, whatever. By the way, that theme um, music is also on Full Metal, the album. Dope. Jim Johnson strikes again. There we go. That was also Ultimate Warrior, too. And that was a big deal because yeah. he they got back into good graces with Ultimate Warrior yeah. and mended that fence. Um, and that was a thing that people didn't see coming for a long time. And then the next year was when Macho Man went in uh, with Diesel. Uh, Kevin Nash. Uh, I think Rikishi went in that went in that year too. I think, but um, so yeah, it was it was okay. It's just long and not that exciting. I'm sorry. I hate <laughs> to tell you, like the 2014 was when Mr. T went in and he got cut off by Kane. It was just like because <laughs> he's talking about his mom yeah. the whole time. It was yeah. it was weird. But yeah. the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, different circumstances. I wasn't there to cover the entire event. I was there strictly to cover Brian Dawkins. So <laughs> once Brian Dawkins came up and spoke, I think he was like f- the fourth or fifth guy because I think after him went Moss and then Ray Lewis closed it out. So Dawkins was third from last. Once Di- Brian Dawkins talked, me and my guys from the Eagles packed up our stuff, got backstage and shot our stuff with Brian Dawkins and got out of there. Like, it was like, <laughs> When he stick around the whole night, he was like, "We out of here. We got what we came to see, and we're gone." But it was, you know, it's still kind of fun. And like you said, you hear people's stories, and and you, and it's an honor. Like these are Pro Football Hall of Fame. They're voted in. Some of these guys have been waiting for a long time. Like I think the one I went to with Jerry Kramer went in, and he's a center for the Packers. This guy last played like in the seventies, and he's finally getting in twenty eighteen. Um, so that was pretty dope. You know, to see, to see some of these guys who I, you know, I've only seen in NFL films. You know, Brian Erlacher, who I, you know, he's I play with him in Madden, <laughs> him and Moss and Ray Lewis, and that was dope from a football fan standpoint. WWE Hall of Fame just doesn't bring those same feelings up for me. I'm sorry, <laughs> like, so I'm not watching. I don't watch the Pro Football Hall of Fame on TV. So, mm-hmm. this is, I don't know. WWE just cut it down like by like an hour or two, right. and it'll be it'll be it'll be all right. It's just so long, man. It is, and the hell, so long. The hell. and the fans make it. The, the fans annoy make it uh, annoying too because they, they do all the chants and yep. people can't get their speeches out. Ugh, That's I think a lot. maybe the biggest gripe I I have personally. It's like just it's not about you. Like you you think you're paying homage to somebody, but you, like you're really making it about yourself. Like right. Like cheering's fine, but don't do like the chants and stuff. Like it's, right. it just takes one away from more it. match. One more. You still got it. <laughs> you deserve. It. Shut up, bro. We know he deserves it. None of them talk. Like, we got yeah. it. Imagine when John Cena goes in the Hall of Fame. Oh my God, John Cena. <laughs> the bro, Rock. Let's go, Cena. Cena sucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna encourage it too. He will. He will. Maybe and he likes it? that. Maybe they like it. I don't know. But what was it last year when, when Bret Hart was going in with the Hart Foundation, and he got attacked? Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, he was, yeah. What the hell? It's you just, hear like Natalia the scream, and then the screen go black. You're like, wait, what the hell just happened? This is it's weird. This is a weird night. It's a weird night. Yeah. Uh, WWE Hall of Fame. But that was also weird because they had it in the ring and. Uh, yeah, that and, was weird with the ropes. They need, they need the stage. Like they need the stage for that. It's just, so I don't know. It's. It's kind of jumped the shark. It's not like it's jumped the shark from like they should not induct people anymore. It's just jumped the shark from like a for a TV, me at least a TV, a TV type from a TV program, and even just yeah. an event. Like if I was to till ten WrestleMania in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, I'm not going to the Hall of Fame ceremony. I probably, right. like I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm doing everything else but that. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm avoiding that. Like going right around that to probably going to the bar. <laughs> <I'm going. laughs> like, Oh, y'all going? To, y'all going over there? I'll be here at the bar getting an extra couple hours in. 
I'll see y'all much later. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to see uh, Ric Flair induct himself in the Hall of Fame this time. Like, wait, what? What? How many times are people going to be inducted? Maybe Eric Bischoff will finally get inducted. Is it? They do, they're so weird, dude. Ugh. It's weird. It's weird. It's a weird thing. It's oh, weird. The, I'm sure The Undertaker will be one of them soon enough. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But uh, that's our WWE Hall of Fame for you. It's much bigger deal than it was back in 1996. Um, but back in 1996, we got, Sid Vic- we got Psycho Sid again. Not Sid Vicious. Psycho Sid. <laughs> and probably his weakness, his one weakness... Was his promos, <laughs> and he stumbled his way through another promo here, <laughs> which the promo was supposed to be conducted by Doc Hendricks slash Michael Hayes, but Jim Ross just came in and bogarted and was like, <laughs> "What you gonna do at Survivor Series?" It's like I'm, 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 I'm going to win. Like I actually, the world. I, I liked this because for me, it was like Jim Ross is like enough of the fluff, you know, blah blah blah. What are you gonna do? Does the title mean that much to you? Like, what are you, what are you gonna do to your friend Shawn Michaels? I, and this is like the, like I actually like this. I was kind of surprised. I I agree. I liked it too. It's like I like that Jim Ross, like that that part of Jim Ross that just wants to cut through the BS and be like, well, no, really, like it's for the title. What are you gonna do? <laughs> what are you actually gonna do here, sir? What are you gonna get done? Are you gonna do whatever it takes to win? Are you, Sid? <laughs> are you? <laughs> Where were you on the night of the fourteenth? By the way, and all of a sudden the light shines on his face. It's like, what is this? Wait, 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 I, was doing agree- a, I was doing. We didn't rehearse this. Where did, where did this? Where did this happen? Yeah. This wasn't. This not in the script. <laughs> <laughs> a damn script. This is supposed to be what part where I'm the ruler of the world, not when I get interrogated <laughs> by Jim Ross. Oh man, love moving Doc on though. No problem with our, the microphone then. <laughs> We're moving on now to our main event of the evening. No Michael Buffer this time, <laughs> which we had to talk about for the last couple of weeks. Imagine Michael Buffer announcing this. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in history, you're going to see somebody buried alive. A match you've never seen before, you'll never see again, except next year, probably. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's, Let's get, get ready, ready to get, to get buried. buried. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to see that. Damn it! <laughs> He's never showed up in WWF, has he? I believe he did at least one match. I believe they I had him remember. in. This is like recall. well, well after WCW, obviously. <laughs> he definitely, uh, I believe. Let's do a quick. Uh, I don't recall. While you're talking about that, while you're looking that up, yeah. I'm going to talk about the fact that Vince McMahon on commentary has another gem when he talked about that this bear the live match, which the rules are the only way to win is to bury your opponent alive, which is, yes, that is committing murder, but this is wrestling and murder is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but Vince McMahon said... This is the first non-sanctioned match in WWF at the time history. So naturally, it's the main event of the show and it's the namesake of the show. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
we're not going to sanction this match, but we will put it in the main event. Yeah, we'll mark and it. And we're going to name the show <laughs> after the match, but we ain't going to sanction it. Mm-mm. We don't want nothing to do with this. We got, this, we got no liability, but we're going to promote the hell out of it, baby. Like, I'll tell you that. But who, if somebody dies, it ain't on us. <laughs> well, we don't, we don't want nobody to die, but we're going to promote it. <laughs> hell yeah. Get that money. <laughs> Sorry, Nick, you're grounded, but you'll watch this later. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Buffer did uh, announce, by the way, in the 20, 2008 Royal Rumble. Ah, yes, he did. Oh, wait, in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Go figure. He did. You're 100% correct. I remember that now. And they, I don't think we have. They, they, they probably got like the the, the invoice, <laughs> Michael Buffer, and it was like, whoa, yeah. we ain't never get him ever again. <laughs> 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 we'll pay him this one time, but that's it. <laughs> Whoa, you mean how much? How, what he want? What? I mean, I, I still find it fascinating. That for me, I mean, they have the money. Just bring him out every Royal Rumble. Like, but, why the hell not? <laughs> <laughs> they got the money, but it's like we can pay Mike Rome a lot less, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just as good. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> he wait he a just second. says the words. Like all you have to do is say. This is the rules of the Rumble, and that's it. Like that's all we kind of need. We're paying him much less than we're paying Michael Buffer. But can he say, "Let's get ready to rumble"? He can't say that. Honestly, he Probably legally trademark. can't say it because that's yeah. that's trademark, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that would cost us even more money if we did if he did it. <laughs> so legally, he can't do that. So, but we're paying him a lot less. <laughs> uh, but yes, here we are, the main event. It's Buried Alive, the first ever Buried Alive match in the history of professional wrestling, I'm sure. Like, this is historic. I don't think anybody thought of, like, having a somebody get buried alive <laughs> in, was, in, in a, in a, as a stipulation of a match. Because yeah. that just doesn't even make sense. Like, that means that person's going to die, right? <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, <laughs> but they they can't die. That's murder. Like, well, well, they won't actually. Like, but, like we have a contract with them, they can't though. Like <laughs> <laughs> their corpse has to wrestle fourteen more dates. Like <laughs> they got to keep going. Like this contract is ironclad. Um, I will say it was perfect though for that the story. It it was no. It, you say you make up a great point in that it was kind of it, it kind of makes sense for it fit this the whole theme of this storyline of these two characters. It's like this macabre type of story that these two guys had it was kind of leading to this <laughs> like, yeah. somebody had to go somebody had to die <laughs> like, you would think this is a blow off but nope survivor series they wrestle again well what the hell <laughs> <laughs> how stupid is that you thought that buried alive match was crazy but wait till you see the 15 minute time limit match yeah, on, it was a, it's survivor like a regular series. a regular damn wrestling match just i'm with, sure just with paul burr in a shark cage that was the only difference <laughs> Wait till you see this match with with rules. Whoa. <laughs> but the match without rules is crazy. What will they do with actual rules? <laughs> but during Undertaker's entrance, Jerry Lawler kept saying that it was raining in the building. Yeah. <laughs> what? He put his crown over his head. And Vince like, is just like it? there like, okay. <laughs> like, like, was it like a leak over <laughs> Lawler's head? And Market Square Arena? Must have been. Vince totally ignored him, by the way. He, right. he, like, he didn't, paid him he no didn't acknowledge it. 
he didn't say, "Oh yeah, you're right. It is raining." Like he just totally blew by blew by that. Yeah, couldn't even like make a joke about it. Just be like, "I just think that's because you're wet, Jerry, or something like that." Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would fit Vince McMahon in '96, right? He's just that would have been a, that would have been a poor joke. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's just because you're wet, Jerry. Pause. Wait a second. <laughs> 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 Let's right. get back to the wrestling match here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was so stupid. Uh, leave all of this in, by the way, the podcast. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like two minutes into the match, though. Jerry, Jerry's dry by now. I'm just going to. Not even acknowledge that. Uh, <laughs> You're going to be like Vince. <laughs> totally <laughs> <Right>. ignore it. <laughs> Two minutes into the match, Mick Foley is already taking crazy bumps. Yeah. As he took a yeah. sick bump on the guardrail. Like, this is unnecessary. He could exactly. just fell backwards exactly. and hit his back. Exactly. He just whipped himself back. Boom. Hit his head. It's like, bro, that was he not. Did. He didn't need to do that, Mick. Like, nah. this is why you got issues now. Because he was taking these crazy bumps back in 1996. But I will say, thank goodness Mick is still with us today. Yes. Seeing all these things he put his body through, it's really horrifying to watch, really. It's tough. Because, like you said, you know what he's like now. Yeah. And, he's, I mean, yeah, sure, he's alive, obviously, and he's in good shape considering what he's been through, but he could be in better shape if he didn't do that stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not even all the stuff he did. He was already taking crazy bumps in ECW and WCW. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Japan, like this was just another. This was a day off compared to yeah. the stuff he used to do. Um, eventually, mankind got his hands on a foreign object, and Vince McMahon was like, "Oh, this should not be allowed. This is going too far." It's like, wait a minute, Vince, <laughs> you are watching a buried alive match. Somebody's going to get buried alive, and you're worried about this foreign object. That this that's crossing the line. Well, he wanted he wanted Law and Order in a buried alive match. <laughs> he did. Now let's see, we got we we have to you know bury him this way, not that way. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm mention that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about it. Um, also, next thing I wrote down here was that how many times throughout this show did Visek Man yell, "Forget about it"? <laughs> they made fun of him, by the way. Did you did you catch that? I, don't, I did not. It was uh, Jim Ross was still on commentary. Or no, it was uh, during the Intercontinental title match uh, when Mr. Perfect was out there. And Vince McMahon said, like, one, two, he got him. No, no. And Jerry Lawler goes to Perfect. He's like, don't you think he does that a little too much? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> basically, like, you know, isn't that annoying or something like that? It was just I, too funny. I just think about Tommy Rowan, my good, the good brother Tommy Rowan. We always make fun of Vince McMahon <laughs> on commentary when he goes, one, two, no. <laughs> he got him. No. <laughs> oh, you know one, what? Two. It was during the opener. It was during Triple H and Stone Cold because I, I remember I wrote a note about it. And I, I wrote, Lawler asked Jim Ross if it's annoying how Vince goes, one, two, and he got him. No. And Jim Ross says, <laughs> Jim Ross says yes, it's repetitive and uncreative. <laughs> <laughs> and they just like kind of continue on the match like that was it 
Like, he got they, didn't say, they didn't say anything. <laughs> Vince didn't no. respond to it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I thought it was Mr. Perfect, but yeah, it was when Jim Ross was still out there in the first match. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> no. But then, and this night, it was like, forget about it. It's like, what are you? I didn't know Vince McMahon was an Italian from New Jersey. <laughs> like, uh, we don't claim him. Sorry. <laughs> the Irish Why would can you? keep him. The Irish can keep him. Right. <laughs> Is this the ethnic draft now? Instead of the racial draft from Dave Chappelle? <laughs> the Italian delegation rejects Vince McMahon. <laughs> we, did, we didn't draft him. We don't know who did. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody went rogue. Yeah. In the Italian yeah. delegation. Um, <laughs> uh, next thing I wrote down here was Undertaker getting a big leg drop on mankind's face with a steel chair, mm. which is something you did not see a whole lot in 1996 WWF. Maybe in ECW, <laughs> but not in WCW or, or WWF in 1996. And it was like, oh, Snap! Like he hit him yeah. with a in the face with a leg drop. That's crazy. Yeah, I was so used to seeing Man- mankind do that stuff. It's like that's true. I didn't even like think twice when I saw it. But then it's like, damn! I look, I watch it back for for this show, and it's like, damn! He was the only person that would let that happen to him. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That wouldn't true. have happened if mankind wasn't in the ring. <laughs> that's true. Like if that was uh, who was another big person that he could have wrestled. I don't know. Sid. That was Sid. <laughs> he wouldn't have gotten a, a leg drop with a chair no. to the face. Like, you know, get out of here. I'm the ruler of the world, fam. Like, taking that <laughs> chair to the face. <laughs> um, At some point, though, they brawl over the arena. So we get that. A lot of fighting, a lot of brawling. It's actually a good match, actually. Yeah. Um, A lot of, you know, things, different things going on. Um, But at one point, Undertaker gets... Mankind into the hole that he's supposed to get him to to shovel some dirt on him, but he chokes him into the hole, shovel some dirt on him, and he get like three or four shovels of dirt onto Mankind before he's like, all right, he won. Undertaker wins. He buried Mankind alive with like, I don't know. We could still see the body. (laughs) Right, a pound of dirt. So it's like, he's buried, so he's done. So, you know, nobody's dying, apparently. But Undertaker's like, no. I want my money back, damn it. Right. Undertaker's like, no, y'all don't understand. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to keep throwing dirt on him. Like, y'all said buried. Like, I didn't tell you to ring the bell. <laughs> like, I wasn't done yet. <laughs> All right? I didn't give y'all the signal. So he's still throwing dirt on mankind, going through with his promise of killing this man. And the referees are trying to stop him. Undertaker's throwing them left and right. I mean, these referees are flying off this dirt mound where they set up the grave at. I mean, they're just flying left and right. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, some guy in a mask hits Undertaker with a shovel. Do you know who that was? I don't know who that was. I know who it was. Who was it? The Executioner. Was that, uh, <laughs> Terry was that Bam, Bam Bam, Bam Gordy. Terry Gordy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I figured that. I just didn't know for sure, but I, I didn't know for sure that was that was Bam Bam Terry Gordy. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, the sh- the shovel head like completely fell off after he hit him. <laughs> right. So I was like, I'm looking it back. I'm like, wait, like what? Like what? He hit, he hit him with a like a bar? Like what? I didn't realize it was a shovel um, till you know many probably till that uh, 
magazine article, you know, because they showed him <laughs> they showed a picture of it. I was like, oh, the more you know. Yeah. Eventually, a bunch of heels come out, a la Royal Rumble nineteen ninety four, and they commenced <laughs> burying Undertaker with dirt. They throw okay. dirt on him. Let's see who. Throw him in the grave. I wrote down. All right, Triple H, Crush, Goldust, and Justin Hawk Bradshaw. <laughs> yeah, right. What? The Chump Brigade Brigade in WWF at that point. <laughs> uh, that's too good. Justin Hawk Bradshaw. This Why? was uh the 1996 version of Retribution. Oh, boy. <laughs> Look at that. It's As a, the crowd's chanting, rest in peace, it's like, wait. <laughs> that, that, like, yeah, like, wait a minute. Y'all, y'all like him, right? Y'all like him, Taker, right? Like, so y'all telling him to rest in peace? <laughs> Is that what y'all You notice, want? like, the effects, too? Like, lightning and thunder going on? Like, Oh, yeah, like, yeah. What? Uh, one thing I noticed that was really funny was <laughs> Vince McMahon is like, wait, you're, you were only supposed to be buried alive. Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. <laughs> Not like this. Not oh. actually buried alive. Just buried alive, you know, like implied. Yeah. But not for real. <laughs> This is just jokes, people. Like it, like the word "alive" is in there, so buried, but you know, alive. <laughs> but like he's still living. Like he's not gonna die. He's just buried, like wrestling, like that, like the Hunter Hearst Helmsley guy. He's buried, and he's still alive. Buried alive. <laughs> oh hell so. yeah! I see a Halloween Havoc logo here. Sweet. Oh yeah, NXT is ending right now. So, so yes, but, fans uh, chant "Rest in Peace" as Undertaker is buried. I still didn't get it. <laughs> thunder, thunder is going off in the building. This spooks out all the bad guys. Like, oh, 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 <laughs> let's get out of here. Meanwhile, they the, fan, the fans in the front row. Yeah, right. The, you know, the bad guys with the shovels run away. Right, the little kids are like, woohoo! So they run away, and then mankind is still there, and he. Then lightning strikes the grave. Kachow! In the building. I didn't know. Say that again. Kachow! <laughs> yo, yo, before that, did you notice what Vince McMahon said? He said, This is when, like, Paul Barrow's trying to, like, you know, shovel uh, more dirt. And Vince McMahon says, I feel something here. <laughs> what, are you, what are you feeling? What are you, yeah, are like, you, are you par- like, can you talk to the paranormal? Like, are you a medium? <laughs> what are you feeling, Vince? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, I don't want to know, but and then he says, "We certainly hope you have enjoyed buried alive." Like, <laughs> before the lightning bolt strikes, this is before this all happens. It's like we we certainly he said that after every pay per view, though he would always say, "We certainly hope you have enjoyed whatever." At the end, and <laughs> it's just we certainly hope you have enjoyed someone being buried alive. Buried alive. But then that lightning bolt we mentioned hits the grave, and Undertaker hands his hand shoots out from the grave like he's goddamn Jason Voorhees, <laughs> and Vince McMahon shouts, "The Undertaker lives!" And then we go off the air. <laughs> it's like Undertaker is Jason Voorhees now, <laughs> and this alive. is Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Undertaker lives. He will He's not. He's alive. Rest in peace. 
as the fans chanted rest in peace. <laughs> he will not rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? All right, Vince, relax. Mm, calm down. Relax. And it's hell? so, like, so the magazine pictures, you know, didn't do it justice. I didn't see it live. So watching it back for the first time, I thought it was kind of cool how they had, you know, like a grave site there. Um, I always wondered, like, how they go about it. And when you see the Undertaker's hand come up, <laughs> you can see where it cuts off. Yeah, and you see the fake grass. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a shame that it happened, but, like, I, I the visual was cool. Like, I, I liked what they were going for. But, you know, when you're doing something like that, you you got to try to make it, like, as realistic as possible. But when you can see clearly, like, where the, you know, door is, trap door or whatever, and where The Undertaker's really kind of at, you're just like, oh, come on. <laughs> you're supposed come to be on. the WWF. You're supposed to be the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. I mean, they kind of did. For, how many Bear to Live matches were there before That's this what, night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. the, I, I I loved the concept of Undertaker Mankind. I'm just mad I didn't watch it live, but it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. And that was Buried Alive. In your house, you know, 11 Buried Alive. You know, my favorite part of this match, besides the ending, uh, Undertaker grabbing a microphone cord, not an extension cord, a microphone cord. He's choking there mankind. He's choking mankind. <laughs> Jerry Lawler says, I haven't seen this much choking since the Cardinals played the Braves. Damn. <laughs> that year, it led me to do some research because I did watch playoff baseball. <laughs> I had to remind myself, the Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals, apparently held a 3-1 to National League Ooh. Championship Series lead against the Atlanta Braves, and they lost in seven. After Damn. the fourth game... And they went up three to one. The Braves outscored the Cardinals thirty-two to one in games five, six, and seven. Good lord! <laughs> Talk about a choke job! You, was, you said thirty-two, thirty-two in three games to one. They to averaged one. ten runs a game to one. To what? <laughs> point what? Point two five or whatever? Point whatever? Point three? Something. Wow! Yeah. So long before I the Warriors, they were the Cardinals <laughs> blowing a three-one lead. Yeah, yeah, that that must That's have been pretty unbelievable. Bad. And to make 32 it worse, thirty-two to one, thirty-two to one, and would make it worse. The Braves would lose the World Series to the Yankees. <laughs> and that's true. I remember that. But ninety, that's ninety-five. That's ninety-six. Ninety-six. 96 right. Yeah. Ninety-six. Yeah. But man, a three to one NLCS lead, Oof. and you get outscored thirty-two to one. Oof! Damn, that's 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 rough. And that was the year after the Braves won the World Series, so uh, you know they were still good. The Braves were good for, for so long in the nineties, and I don't yeah. know that when they won that NLCS, they're like we're going back to back. There's no yeah. way we're going to lose, <laughs> and then they lost. But yeah, damn, that's yeah. wild. Yep. Always like a good baseball reference in my wrestling. I'm sure. I'm the football guy. You're the baseball guy. Yeah. So, but that is Buried Alive, 1996, or the one only Buried Alive, I should say, <laughs> in your house. Eleven Buried Alive. That is. Uh, but before we wrap it up here, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. 
Uh, you can follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick Pacone on Twitter. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And got a special treat for you next week. We're going to be uploading a classic episode on Monday. So uh, stay tuned to that and make sure you tune in, uh, Philly area and, hell, nationwide to Fox Sports The Gambler. Uh, download the iHeartRadio app. Three to six every Monday through Friday is the Daily Ticket with Sean Race. I've been on that show a couple times. It's awesome. Talk about sports betting, sports gambling, every sport, everywhere. It's not just Philly-centric. Uh, uh, you can also listen to it at 102.5 FM in Center City and Camden, 1480 AM in and around Philly, and on 104.5 HD2, and at Fox PHL Gambler on socials. There you go. Check them out. I'm at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter, so check me out on there. Uh, if you don't find me on there, you might be able to find me out here in this Philadelphia streets, but not a whole lot because, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, make sure you check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio. If you have a request for a future deep dive that you want us to cover, we'll hit us up on Patreon, and we will fulfill that request. So let us know. Hit us up with a nominal fee of only two bucks. Only two bucks, and we'll cover the whatever show you want us to cover, wrestling related, of course. Um, or maybe not wrestling related. Who knows? But it don't have to be a wrestling show. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show, like like you mentioned earlier, Nick. Boy Meets World. If you want us to cover yeah. an episode of Boy Meets World with Vader, or an episode of Married with Children with King Kong Bundy, <laughs> or whatever, hit us up. Patreon.com/slash/shootersradio to send in a request and we will fulfill that but in the meantime for nick pacone i'm vaughn johnson thanks for listening to episode 256 of the straight shooters and we'll catch y'all again next week peace